Welcome to Talking Mopars episode number 124. This is a replay of a Saturday Night Live episode I did where it was an open house. Anybody could join me. For a little bit, I was hunting Mopars, and then I had some friends join me on the show. I had Johnny Mopar show up, my friend Trevor show up, and Brian from Dust Devil Garage show up. If you don't know Brian, he does some really fun live streams on YouTube, and you can go check him out if you go to YouTube and search Dust Devil Garage. That's my friend Brian, and he's building a duster from the ground up to race at the No Name Nationals in Sykeston, Missouri. If you don't know what the No Name Nationals are, it is a race for YouTube content creators with at least 500 or more subscribers to go and have a great time and call each other out and just hit the eighth mile and get crazy. It's going to be a fun time. We talked a little bit about that. We talked we talked Mopars. That's what we do here at Talking Mopars. And I had a great time as usual. So without further ado, if you are a Mopar enthusiast, then you are in the right place. Don't go anywhere. You're tuned into the best Mopar enthusiast-driven podcast on planet Earth. And I am your host, Chris Albrecht, better known as the Mopar Hunter. And this is Talking Mopars, live. You're listening to Talking Mopars with the Mopar Hunter, your direct connection to all things Mopar. Before we get into the juicy meat of this episode, I have to ask you guys a question. Is your Mopar protected? Whether it's sitting outside in the elements or inside the safe confines of your man cave, it's important to keep your Mopar protected. That's why I'm excited to announce that I'm now affiliated with a company offering an amazing solution for vehicle protection. They have everything from basic indoor shields all the way to the top of the line platinum shields, offering the very best protection to keep your vehicle safe both indoors and outdoors from elements like dust, water, snow, and even UV rays. Their products are guaranteed to fit and are backed by a great warranty. To find out more about my new affiliate, please visit TalkingMopars.com, click on the Affiliates tab, and follow the link to their website. If you need protection for your Mopar, don't worry, we got you covered. What's happening, guys? Uh, I don't know who's going to jump on here. It's kind of late. Um, you know, I was bored. I was out in the garage, and uh, I need to install the intake manifold and the carburetor that I got for the van on the van. And I got out there, and I was like, all right, drain some coolant. And <laughs> to be honest with you, I got lazy. I was like, I don't feel like doing that right now because I hate getting involved in a project and not – seeing it through to the end and i was like okay drain the coolant pop off the alternator and i think that's pretty much all i really need to do aside from all the lines that are hooked up to the intake manifold so i thought uh man maybe uh maybe i could do it and then get the intake manifold on there and stuff and i thought god by the time i got that far i just didn't see i just didn't see myself actually finishing it tonight so i was like ah and i was like ah, i really don't want to go to sleep either so i guess uh go hang out in the studio and see if anybody wants to talk mopars i'm going to post the link in the chat what's up paul what's up pat what's up joe what's up trevor <laughs> so if anybody wants to join me on screen there's the link in the chat i really have no agenda tonight um i thought maybe i'd take a look at some mopars so i queued up the entire country to see what we could find what's up reuben and uh i'm just hanging out you know, this really isn't a podcast episode. This is just a Saturday Night Live open house type thing. 
Um, so if anybody wants to jump on, feel free. Um, but other than that, I think what I'm going to do is jump into these uh, Craigslist ads it's because it's been a while since uh, I did any hunting. Now, for those of you guys that have been uh, following what I've been up to lately, I was actually in Georgia for the Mopars 5150 muscle car sell-off, and I really haven't had a chance to record a show or talk about it. I thought maybe the uh, the videos I was doing out there would suffice for a podcast, but I decided not to do anything with that because I have to rip all the audio off the video and stuff, and it's just a pain. So maybe I'll talk about that a little bit. Yeah, Ruben, congratulations. Ruben had his uh, 69 Roadrunner in a show and won like best Mopar. So that's that's uh, that's bragging rights right there, dude. Um, let's see here. Pull up uh, local Craigslist ads. <clears throat> see what we can find. See if I can share my screen here. <laughs> yeah, Trevor, jump on if you want, man. I don't know how long I'm going to be the, doing this. You might see me bounce out real quick. I don't know. Just depends on how I feel. But I'm a little bored. I got a little whiskey over here. I might tap into that a little bit. Let's see if I can open this guy right here. For some reason, my computer's running slow tonight. There we go. All right. We are in... Uh, the Pacific Northwest, and right away I see a Sublime Green Charger. Let's take a look at this thing. 73 Charger SE in Portland. Wow. Great car, runs and drives, but needs more work to be roadworthy. No shit. <laughs> this is kind of a cool little hot rod. 8,500, though. I think the guy's smoking a little something. It's got the rally gauges. Let's take a closer look at this thing. Looks pretty solid. Some shackles in the back, Craggers. You can always win with Craggers. Got a nice stance, got black flames. That's funny. And it looks like it's got a fence leaning on it. Yeah, hey, hey, dude, maybe take the fence off the fucking car before you try selling it. Jesus. Oh, man. Yeah, it looks like the floor's a little rotted. Not that big of a deal if you're looking for a cheap hot rod, but this thing's not necessarily cheap. Um, column shift. It's got the bench buckets. Or like the uh, the high backs with the drop down center armrest or whatever. That's kind of cool. Yeah, thing needs love. <laughs> I, I like the wheels and tires. <laughs> Eighty five hundred though. He's got a new carpet kit, new headliner, new bumpers. Needs roof skin and some rust and driver pan only. He has a roof skin. He has bucket seats and a console from a correct satellite car and dash and many other parts that come with it. Four forty seven twenty seven car. Looks like they were just be rebuilt. Looks like they were just rebuilt. <laughs> Eighty five hundred serious inquiries, please. Title status is clean. Paul got himself a new laptop today. Yeah, man, get set up and join me in the chat, dude. That'd be fun. <laughs> Pat Barry Jackson prices. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, no kidding. Here we go. What we got here? An old uh, stretched out A100, so A A108. Looks good on those wheels. But uh, <laughs> these windows, man, what is this, a single wide? <laughs> oh, man. Sometimes I get a, I get a kick out of just looking at these ads and seeing the craziness. 
Yeah, this thing, this thing could be a fun little hot rod, I guess. <laughs> I like how it's got wheel locks on it. Ooh. Are those the Kreger versions? Those are kind of cool. 3450. Let's see what the inside looks like. Eh. It's got some rust, that's for sure. Roof's a little rusty. No worse than my van. I really should be out there not being a lazy ass. I really should be working on my fan right now. What the hell am I doing? Okay. 67A108, 3450 or best offer. Hasn't been started in a few few years. Transmission rebuilt right before it was put in storage. Ran when parked. Ran when fucking parked. Of course. <laughs> uh, this is also Saturday night uncensored, folks. And being that's the case, I'm just going to take a swig off my old Buffalo Trace here. And because I'm a pussy, I'm going to chase it. Ran when parked. Brakes needed work. Okay. Might just need a new battery slash a day of TLC. <laughs> but would need to be towed away, of course. We'd gotten it with hopes of reviving it, but too many projects and can't be a good steward to them all. Rehoming this one. What that means is that's the biggest piece of shit he owns. He doesn't want to put the time into it. He has a title. Brand new transmission paperwork. Looks like the warranty is no longer valid. Was just one year. Yeah, 12 years ago. <laughs> but the info for the repairs is all there. Trailer for sale as well. But the title for trailer, blah, blah, blah. Things we know. Straight body. And looks like a scrape at some point on the driver's side door. Well, then it's not fucking straight, is it, dude? <laughs> what the fuck? Rust. Bad brakes. Seats need to be redone. Needs a, needs a battery. Close to the A100. This is the A108, which has a longer body. And side doors on the passenger side. It's got a 318 727 with an electric start. Krager rims, but have another set of rims as well. Used to be a DIY camper version of this, but the previous owners removed that. Okay. Extra tires and wheels. We bought it, repaired the transmission for $1,000, replaced the roof vent, got tags, and it's been in that state for five years in storage. Ah, that's what you get when you go to Oregon to buy cars. <laughs> Let's keep looking. Paul says, I have to do a bit more hunting, but may have found a 66 Charger the other day. Looks like he has a few others also. Is that the one on Craigslist for $2,500? let us see if I can find that. Ooh, what do we have here? My God. 76 Tradesman 200 Shorty Van, $9,500, but it's black and it looks clean as hell. Holy shit. Let's take a look at this thing. It's got a little patina on the roof. Wow, this thing is straight. If that's the original paint, I'd be really surprised. It's got <laughs> look at these old inky wheels. Definitely needs some craggers and some 295 50s in the back. It looks pretty solid. Holy shit. <laughs> Missing the D. <laughs> Dode. You'll get the D later. <laughs> straight front bumper. Shit. The grill looks immaculate. Ooh. So these turn signal lights in the grill here, um, those lenses are super hard to find in good condition. I slipped and on eBay, God, it's been months now, but somebody had an NOS set, but it was like $250, but it was the whole assembly for the turn signal with the brand new lenses. And uh, I was being a cheap ass. I should have bought them because they're so hard to find. And I, all my sets are, I have one set that's really nice looking from afar, but you can see the cracks and it annoys the shit out of me. 
so the solution for me would be to get a uh, a giant phantom grill for it but that's like seven hundred dollars okay yeah there you can see the patina a little bit more on the roof that's kind of cool though damn this fan looks pretty solid it looks like the door's a little fucked up though that's okay yeah this thing needs better wheels and a little bit of a rake on it yeah, there's something going on with this door here. Maybe they just don't have it shut all the way. I don't know. But the rot on this thing, from what I see here, is non-existent. But for ten grand, you know what I mean? There's a little bit of a closer shot. The rear looks good. Dent right there in the rear door. No big deal. Um, yeah, there's something going on with this door here. Yeah, I question whether or not this is original paint. I highly doubt it. It'd be cool if it was. The thing is really straight. It's got a dent in the rear bumper. No big deal. Yeah, <laughs> even the driver's side looks really straight. Wow. Ten grand, huh? Oh, he's got a broken. See these little uh these little reflector lamps back here, these little side markers or whatever you want to call them. Um, those are easier to find than the front um turn signals in the grill. Yeah, this thing needs some nice wheels. I don't I like how it's slammed in the front. I don't know if that's just the wheels and tires he's got on it. I like the way this thing sits, just needs better wheels thing is clean <laughs> look at that steering wheel the old chain gang the seats are amazing in it the floor is clean as hell of course you got to have the barefoot pedal in it door panels look solid i like the roof I like what he's got going on in there wow this thing is pretty clean holy shit needs a radio no big deal an AC van? Holy shit. What did I stumble across here, folks? <laughs> okay, so I, I see what he's doing here with some of the metal and shit. So the, the interior of the van is actually, I mean, I've seen a hell of a lot worse. I mean, you just saw that A108, right? This thing, I mean, I, I this carpet might be salvageable. <laughs> but uh, yeah, there's some shit on the roof I would change. But um, that, I don't know, that's kind of cool, but... For me, I need a sunroof up there and like a a little console or whatever you'd like to call it for like the overhead with uh, the CB radio. <laughs> Man, what, what else does it say about this thing? I like this van. Automatic 318. Damn. That'd be, it's a, yeah, it's a tradesman. It's a B200. So it'd be, it would be cool if it had a big block or at least a 360 in it. Um, power steering brakes, great shorty, runs good. Come see 9,500 bucks, not enough information. Uh, odometer, 71,000 miles. Um, it's at a dealership. You know what, Rick's? I think these are the same guys. So a while back, must have been last year or the year before, they had a really clean, what year was it? I think it was 80s, but it was a Ram Charger and it was two wheel drive lowered. It was brown, but it, it sat really nice. Um, and they wanted like six grand for it. It was a great deal. Uh, they want 10 grand for this thing, which is, you know, it says something about how clean it really must be in person, you know, just based on the pictures. I mean, I'd be interested. In, I hate those mirrors. I really, on these vans, I really like the street van mirrors, you know, the small ones, although you can't see shit out of them. But uh, that's a really clean van. I like that. Wow. Jump back in the chat here really quick.
Show me the 65 Coronet postcards. Where'd you see those? Is this on this page? Let's take a little closer look there, Trevor. Joe, how was seeing all those Mopars? If you're talking about the Mopars 5150 um, sell-off, everybody's, I've been seeing a lot of people call it an auction. It really wasn't an auction. It was a come out and everything had a price on it. And if you wanted to make a lower offer, you could. Um, if five people wanted to buy the same rig, I'm sure they would accept the highest offer. I really don't consider that an auction. But um, it was really amazing seeing all those cars, especially the, you know, it's not like it was a bunch of Belvideers and satellites and um, stuff like that. You know, they had, you know, Challenger RTs, Cudas, uh, Barracudas too, Roadrunners, Super Vs, uh, GTXs. They had a great array of projects. Now, you know, I'm a dreamer. <laughs> you know, it's no secret there. Um, every time I look at those cars, I see the possibilities of what they could be, not necessarily, you know, the shit boxes that they are. Um, but uh, I thought there were some really good candidates for restoration. Um, of course, you know, you can get into the argument of how much it would cost to restore some of those cars, obviously. But for me, you know, half the fun is doing the work, I guess, you know. Um, and I think too many people get hung up on, oh, I would have 70 grand in that car and it'd only be worth 30. Are you planning on selling it or, <laughs> you know, are you going to wait 30 years when it is worth 70,000? You know, so it's like, I don't know that that kind of stuff really doesn't bother me. When I look at project cars like that, where I look at a, you know, we'll say, a, you know, five or seven thousand dollar, we'll call I say shit box with love. OK, so you're looking at a five or seven thousand dollar e-body shit box and you're like, OK, it needs everything. But, you know, there was a 71 RT there, plum crazy purple car, four speed, man. And it was hacked. The whole front of it was hacked off. Um, but I believe it had the VIN. Uh, it definitely had the VIN. And I believe it had a fender tag, too. So with a car like that, it's like, you know, you're spending five or seven grand or whatever, and it needs everything. But it's like, is that a car that's worth bringing back from the dead? I think so. Um, but there's a lot of people that don't. And like I said, I'm a dreamer. So, of course, I, I would say yes. <laughs> you know what I mean? Um, but uh, it was definitely amazing seeing all those cars. I've never seen that many project cars in one place of that caliber. And I don't mean condition. I just mean the type of cars. They had an AA Arcuda. Um, a 68 and a 69 Coronet RT, which uh, I fell in love with both of those. Um, really cool cars. I also like the Rum Runner, the 67 Coronet drag car. That was really cool. Um, but, like, you know, like I said, when I see those cars, you know, I see what they could. Oh, they had a 70 Barracuda. Check this out. So 70 Barracuda uh, slant six car. Um, but it was a. Uh, 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 um, Panther Pink or a Moulin Rouge because it's a Plymouth um, FM3 uh, white bucket seat interior and it had the Cuda hood with hood pins and apparently those were the options that were ordered with that car which is really crazy it also had fixed rear windows so the the quarter glass or whatever you want to call it in the back didn't roll down I forget the I think the code is like a 93 or something like that but um super rare combination of options on that car especially being a slant six car um, very cool uh that one was like 20 grand but i kept saying you know that's the type of car if you wanted to get a mat if you wanted to put money into a car and get some recognition for it like get on a magazine cover or something that's the type of car you restore even though it's a slant six barracuda still has such a unique blend of options that it would probably be pretty easy if you did a full-blown restoration on it to get on a magazine which would be really cool um but yeah seeing all those cars and then what they had inside they had a bunch of um 
they weren't necessarily i wouldn't call them bodies in white but they had a lot of cars that had a lot of metal work already done um a lot of them had uh the chat the chassis stiffening components from usct uh, which is us car tool um they make some really cool stuff um but uh yeah of course the my dream car was in there which was a 70 superbird vitamin c orange hemi car god damn that thing Whew. uh i was too chicken to uh get close to i mean i got close to it i got right up to it but i was like ah, i don't want to touch it you know it's one of those things i should have not been a pussy but uh because those guys are those guys are awesome i mean um <laughs> nico nico was there and he's like let's go for a ride and something i'm like fuck okay <laughs> you know so we were looking at the cars that were drivable that we could take for a spin and we ended up taking out uh reggie the 72 roadrunner blue roadrunner 400 big block um runs great and uh we leave we leave the property and we get into and we're in cleveland georgia and of course he gets right on it and i'm looking around i see two cops and i'm like oh shit <laughs> right and uh in Washington, you do some stunts like that, and a cop's going to go, oh, really? <laughs> He's going to pull your ass over. We didn't get pulled over. They didn't even look twice. I was like, shit, this is great. And then uh, I actually went live um, during that ride, and then my live cut out, so I ended up just doing a video of it. But a really fun ride. Um, but, uh, man, bunch of cool cars. They had a couple mod tops in there. Of course, um, the 70 Cuda mod top that they had, it was uh, originally a B5 blue car. Um, so I had the blue mod top on it, blue interior, blue, uh, blue car, but it was painted red and it was like a, it looked like a, like a drag car type build. So, um, that was a little disappointing that whoever had it, you know, originally never left the mod top, um, intact and all that stuff. But, uh, 70 Coronet RT plum, crazy purple with white interior console shift car that was beautiful 70 charger rt 446 pack car fully restored that one was 145 grand uh nico was trying to take that for a spin i was like all right let's go <laughs> pistol grip four speed in it beautiful car um there's a 68 charger in there there was another uh there's another 70 uh, a black 70 charger with a 446 pack in it um another beautiful car i think that one was like eighty nine thousand, um almost 90 uh but they had so much stuff to choose from. Um, I thought there was a lot of viable projects for reasonable prices. Um, I know a lot of people saw the prices and they lost their minds like, oh, that's too much money. Well, yeah, <laughs> go find another charger. <laughs> you know what I mean? That's the market right now. Um, now, granted, some of those cars, I mean, there was a few cars there like the Chargers or uh, not the Chargers, the Coronets, the two RTs, the 68 and the 69. Both of them were under $15,000. And I was like, you know, to me, it seemed like a good buy. Um, I believe both of the motors were seized, but, uh, you know, they can be rebuilt, of course. But the 69 was a Dana 60 car, which I thought was really cool. Yeah, four speed. Um, and they both they both had some rot, you know, um, which was to be expected. But less than 15 grand, you're getting a real RT car. You know, if you're going to put some time into it and some money and that's something you want, I, I really didn't see a problem with the prices. Now, if they were five grand, I don't think they'd be there right now. I think they would have been sold. <laughs> but, uh, you know, and I, I keep getting asked how many cars were sold. Um, a minimum of 10 were sold. I, I know it's more than that, but uh, I don't know how much they want me to say about who bought them. But I think it was on I think it was posted on social media. So I think it's OK for me to say that I uh, Speedcore um, bought like I know they bought a 70 Roadrunner 
and um, a couple Cudas, I thought. But I think they ended up buying four cars. Um, so they spent quite a bit of money. And those cars are going to be fully resto modded. And you know how Speedcore does it. Um, and then uh, some guy, some some lunatic came all the way out after having stopped in Texas and buying a brand new Mercedes Sprinter van, comes out to Cleveland, Georgia, and rents a U-Haul trailer and buys one of the project chargers. And he's hauling it back to Washington State, which I thought was insane. But um, not the fact that he bought the car, but the fact that he went to Texas, bought a brand new, you know, God knows how much that Sprinter van cost. Had it been like well over 50000 I'd imagine. Um, <laughs> drives out to Cleveland, Georgia, buys a project charger. So the guy's clearly got some money. <laughs> you know what I mean? Um, but yeah, it was, it was really cool seeing all those cars. And for somebody like me, I was just like, ah, man. Um, they had a 71 Demon 340 car four speed uh b5 blue um that one was like that was one of the cheaper ones so there was that for 48.50 i think that was the price on that one and then a 69 uh roadrunner for 2500 that i said jokingly i said if this video gets a million views i'll buy the car for three grand <laughs> and uh start a youtube video series on it but that video ain't getting a million views <laughs> so i guess i won't be buying that one um but really cool to see all those cars and the thing that cracked me up the most is the guys from 5150 are awesome and i was talking to troy the owner um and he's like yeah this is really nothing compared to what i got back in california and i'm like yeah that's what everybody keeps saying um even people that aren't with mopars 5150 keeps telling me oh man you should see what he's got in california <laughs> i'm like okay um but yeah i really would like to go out and uh go on some of their adventures with them i think that'd be a lot of fun um so we're gonna have to set something up with that but uh yeah really cool seeing all those cars man um i just couldn't help but look at them all and like imagine you know like in my head i'd see the row of projects and and then i'd have like this vision of them you know how they were originally and it would have been an epic epic lot of cars not that it wasn't but um especially for me because i love project cars i love shit boxes so i'm looking around i'm just like i'm in heaven <laughs> but uh yeah it was a lot of fun Trevor says it's the curse of being a Mopar guy. You pay more than everyone else. Yeah, ain't that the truth, man? It's really, it's really crazy right now because from what I understand, there's a shortage on metal. Like people building these chargers can't get quarter panels and stuff from AMD, which is funny because at the Mopar's 5150 sell-off, they had quarter panels they were selling um, from AMD brand new. Paul referring to the 66 charger, he says it's, uh, it's up for me in Mount Vernon. I thought I saw a charger for sale somewhere near me on Craigslist for like 2,500 bucks. Yeah. Shag carpet in that van, dude. <laughs> Bourbon by straight shag mobile, AKA the love machine. You damn right. Irvin. I wonder how many babies were made in that van. <laughs> Pat says what I liked about those cars. Nothing was hidden. It was all you received by no surprise. Yeah. Um, yeah, if you wanted to get on the ground in the mud, you could definitely look underneath the cars. Um, looking back, I wish I had gotten underneath a couple of the ones on the front row, like the RT Coronets. Um, they appeared like, of course, they needed some metal work. I didn't get a chance to look at the frame rails, and that was my mistake. My idea going there was to basically get as much footage, as much surface footage as I could around the cars. And like anything else, 
you know, my buddy Blake warned me, he goes, you're going to get there. You're going to get a little emotional looking at all these cars, you know, make sure that you stay focused and get really good footage. And my biggest regret is I ran out of time on Friday because I had to get back to Atlanta, which is like, I think 75 or 90 miles away from where we were at in Cleveland. And, uh, it was Friday. So I'm like, God, um, and I know they were shutting down the sale at like three o'clock. And I was looking at the time and the time just flew by. Um, so I didn't get a chance to get underneath some of the cars that I wanted to take a closer look at. Um, I was hoping that anybody that was seriously interested would ha would say something um, while I was on the live stream, uh, maybe in the chat, but nobody really said anything. So I just got the footage that I thought I needed. And then when I saw the time, I was like, I just don't have enough time. So, and I got stuck in like two hours of Atlanta traffic, which sucked, but um, it was fun. So I rented that uh, 2018 Charger RT, which was a lot of fun. Um, last year I had tried to buy a scat pack, a couple of them actually, and I just couldn't make the deal work. And I had a lot of fun in the scat packs and driving the RT. I thought maybe, <clears throat> I thought maybe it'd be, you know, I don't know, disappointing, I guess, but, uh, I was not disappointed at all. That RT was a lot of fun. Um, great cruiser car on the way back to Atlanta. The speed limit out there is like 70 and I'm going 80 and people are flying past me. So I was like, all right, I guess I'll keep up with traffic. I'm going 90 miles an hour. And of course, I'm not familiar with the area. So I'm like, I don't know where the cops hide and shit. But everybody else is going fast. So I guess I'll go fast too. Um, but the car did great. Even at, at 90 to 100 miles an hour, those cars are just floating. They're great cars to drive. Um, but I was pretty impressed with that compared to like my 2018 Durango RT. It's night and day difference just because... The all-wheel drive takes a little bit of the fun out of it. You know what I mean? But uh, very easily to get that car sideways. I had one opportunity just outside of Atlanta where I had to go get fuel because I'm sitting in traffic and then the fuel light comes on and I'm like, shit. So I creep it off the next exit and I uh, go to the gas station and I need to flip back around. And um, you don't get these too common around here, but I had one of the stoplights where you can take the U-turn left. So I was like, all right, cool. So... There's like, you know, only a few people around. I didn't see any cops. So I just hammered it with the traction control and stuff off in sport mode. And uh, it got sideways. So that was a lot of fun. Um, when I go to uh, muscle cars at the strip, uh, I actually rented a wide body scat pack. So that's going to be a lot of fun because they're doing like a rally cruise up into the mountains on Saturday. So uh, I, uh, I registered for that. So Johnny Mopar and I are going to run up into the mountains with that scat pack, hopefully have some fun. Um, <clears throat> but uh yeah it was a good time like i said before if anybody wants to jump in the chat i think i posted the link somewhere up there yeah the link is up in the chat um so if you want to jump on feel free but let's continue cruising craigslist a little bit here If you guys didn't get a chance to check out uh, the live I did earlier today with the guys from the Dodge Pod, that was a fun one. This is a nice uh, W150. Side pipes on it, that's kind of cool. With the deep dish slotted mags. Wow, this is actually 12.5. Uh, this thing is solid. It's a Yakima truck too, so you can see the roof is a little bit sun-beaten. But uh, that's typical for eastern Washington. It's not like Seattle that gets a lot of rain. Um, this truck is badass. Oh, it's got the buddy buckets in it. This thing is sweet. Holy shit. 
dash is clean. Wow. Original steering wheel. Wow. All the wiring appears to be original for the most part. From what I can see, that's kind of rare on these things. <clears throat> Headers on it. Man, those seats are in great condition. I would love to get those for the Mr. Norm truck. I actually want this whole interior for the Mr. Norm truck. This is clean. Not that the Mr. Norm truck isn't clean, but it was originally a green interior, so it was spray painted black, and the black's starting to come off, and it just looks like shit, so I got to fix that. But uh, I actually like the way the side pipes look on this thing. Normally, if someone said, I'll put side pipes on a truck, I'd be like, are you out of your fucking mind? <laughs> but uh, this looks pretty good. Yeah, wow, great patina on this thing. Um, my guess is these are factory stripes. Dodge offered a lot of weird factory um, stuff in the 70s for these trucks, so it wouldn't surprise me if these are factory stripes. I could be wrong, too. Very nice truck, 12.5. <laughs> Want to relive the 80s? Well, here's your chance. Rust-free, low-mileage, 79 Dodge W150, 4x4 short box. Has been hiding in a barn since 1986. No cracks in the dash, no rust in the box. Good running, 360, fun little truck. Who do we got? We got Johnny Mopar in the house. Bring him on. Johnny Mopar, what's up, brother? What's going on, man? I'm over here waiting for you to send a message. <laughs> oh. <laughs> I didn't realize you were already on. <laughs> My bad, dude. My bad. That's all good. Cool. Just... What do you got? Board on a Saturday night. Man, look at this. Uh, look at this short box, dude. This thing is clean. Yeah, it's pretty nice. How much is it? It's twelve five. So it's less than I paid for the Mister Norm truck, and uh, it's got the original carpet in it. Holy shit! This thing. It's got the buddy buckets. Yeah. I was just going over this thing. It's pretty clean for a tin grill. You know, it's Eastern Washington truck, so uh, it's in the drier climate. And it looks, you know, fairly original. Um, yeah, it looks nice. Damn, it looks really clean, actually. Look, look at the interior of that thing. Yeah. <laughs> Damn. And it's a um, four by. Yeah. yeah. Solid. Just a little sure. bit of patina on the roof and hood. I, I like it. I think yeah, that's sure a box. For, for a tin grill guy, that's a that's a good one. And you just can't find them that are, you know, clean and rust free like that. And I know. Just a few years ago, you know, we would have said, that guy's on crack asking that kind of money, right? And yeah. Now it's like, uh, hmm, you could kind of justify it. <laughs> Jump yeah, in thing, and go. Yeah. yeah, that thing's pretty clean. So what's up, man? What's what's new? Not much. I I we went to the zoo today, so I was pretty pretty wiped out um, walking around. You know, took my son to yeah. the zoo. Um, I I listened to your uh, podcast with the uh, the. the was it Dodge Pod? The dot the Dodge Pod guys? Yeah. Yeah, the Dodge Pod guys. So I've got, you know, this is something that was bothering me. <laughs> <laughs> and so I was even thinking, you know, I should just make my own video on this, but since I'm here and I've got Chris Albrook and you seem to be in the know, <laughs> uh, why not just ask it here? What the F is a a first gen and a second gen? So before you answer right i think of okay anything pre-swept line it's kind of like out of scope so to me a swept line is first gen a sure. 10 grill second gen but then you can argue the swept lines kind of have their own name they don't need to be called the first gen so we'll just call yeah. those swept lines so then you go well the 10 grills are first gens 
and then the plastic grills are second gens and then the third gens are the uh you know the diesel looking trucks right from the 90s <laughs> sure and then you go on from there like fourth gen fifth gen sixth gen but i know that's not true because the way you guys are talking it sounds like you're talking the plastic grills are first gens yeah but the plastic grills they look like a spin-off of a tin grill so it doesn't make sense because a tin grill should be a first gen and the plastic grill should be a second gen and then you should start all over when you get to the diesel looking trucks right i you know i i was a little confused um in the beginning at first but the way i understand it to be is they're referring to the first gen rams now what's funny about that is i've seen tin grills with i think it's stamped in the tailgate dodge ram <laughs> you know what i mean so oh, it was like a ahead of ahead of the time um god okay. i wish i could find one really quick but um i'm pretty sure i've seen a tailgate in the tin grill generation that said dodge ram but it was like pre you know back then you called them d100s solely d100s you had the prospectors yeah. whatever yeah. Um, the adventures but they didn't refer to them as dodge rams but in right. uh 80 81 is when they released them as dodge rams and now you still had the dws but and it got the hood ornament yeah yeah um, okay so when they say first gen they're talking first gen rams um second gen rams um so <laughs> it, it does get confusing i i totally understand what you're saying but i think that's why they had to uh you know start calling the the early dodge trucks um and of course they have earlier ones but it, for the it wouldn't have been swept lines. It wouldn't have been confusing if, like the uh, if the diesel trucks. I mean, the I, I call the you know like my trucks a ninety nine. To me, that's when they started looking like big rigs. Yeah, that generation. That would have been perfect to call it first gen, in my opinion, just because it's like it looks totally different. You know, <laughs> yeah, associates with the previous body styles, but having it having a first gen of the because like the tin grills and the plastic grills are almost the same freaking truck they look yeah. so much the same you're calling the second generation of that first gens yeah. <laughs> but I, yeah okay the, so way, the way i equate it is like with the c10s i know i shouldn't be saying that word here but with the c10s you had the 60s and the early 70s rounder ones that's how i look at the tin grills because then they went to the square bodies which it's funny because it seems like the dodge crowd i started noticing that they're calling um they're calling uh the first gens like the square bodies of dodge which i think is funny and then the, now i've heard the c10 guys talking about the obs which is like the 90s that late 80s and 90s um chevy yeah. trucks and stuff they call them the obs and now i've seen people refer to dodges as the the second gens as dodge obs trucks which i thought was yeah. really funny um yeah and it's like i it's hard to wrap your head around because I, I, it's yeah. probably a generational thing but it's like yeah. obs means old body style yeah and it's like that doesn't <laughs> seem old to me <laughs> i i totally get it man i i couldn't imagine being new to the world of dodge trucks and just going okay wait sweat so you got swept lines and tin grills kind of like a new term that was just created in the past you know five or six years or whatever yeah by yeah so, and i don't think it's i don't think it's completely universal yet i don't think a lot of people have caught yeah. on to it you know like the a lot of the mopar truck guys have got it but yeah you know, kind of widespread in any non Mopar person, they wouldn't know what the hell you're talking about. You know, yeah. it's funny because I've had a couple of emails where people are like, I hear you talking about 10 grills all the time. And I'm like, oh, it's 10, 10. <laughs> I thought that was kind of funny, but you know, yeah, I, um, 
And then it's not. And then it's not ten. It's really not ten. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, it's all screwed up, man. (laughs) It it is, man. It's crazy. Um, how uh, how excited are you about going back to Vegas for mats? Oh, pretty excited, man. I'm actually. I mean, I'm excited because I want to take my tin grill and actually roll it around there. You know, I'm. I mean, I have. I'm hoping that it'll be cool to just put put it around, you know, be be like our golf cart. Hopefully yeah. maybe you'll get a golf golf cart and we won't need to do it as much, but um yeah, I'm pretty excited about that. Yeah, it should be a lot of fun. Um I, I hope there's a bigger turnout than there was when we went in September just because, you know, that Vegas dropped the mask mandate. So that should change a lot of things. So yeah. not that not that we were wearing masks out at the track anyway, but yeah. Um I think a lot of people were just like, ah, I don't want to deal with wearing a mask all the time and shit because i it was really pissing me off the two times i've been in vegas last year i'd go walk through the casino and like you know people are like oh, put up with your mask and i'm looking at this 300 pound lady at the slot machine smoke chain smoking cigarettes and drinking booze <laughs> and she's not wearing her fucking mask because she's smoking and i'm like whoa yeah. why do i have to wear my fucking mask yeah <laughs> you know yeah. it didn't make any sense but it is what it is and i'm just i i really hope since this is a 20th anniversary i'm hoping that there's a, a better turnout than there was and that people uh people are more inclined to get out you know because we've yeah. been locked down and shit for too long got to get out and start enjoying these car shows again and with mats it's like you get the drag racing you get the car show you get the swap meet you get the autocross bird song's been yeah. pumping that autocross so i'm getting yeah. excited for that because it's like you know talking to phil painter the organizer of mats you know i, I was telling him that ah, it's crazy when you look at you know events like duct tape and you know, anything where guys can bring out their ratty cars and race them. It's like, you know, you're talking about a world-class drag racing facility. You know, it's not Tucson Dragway. Not to take anything away from Tucson Dragway. But right. it's like they're they're a little stricter. They're, yeah, they're a little stricter at the strip. You know what I mean? They're not going to let some shit box run, you know. Yeah. Um, but uh, from what I understand, the autocross is a different story. You can pretty much bring whatever the hell you want out there as long as you got, you know, yeah, properly I saw, inspected. I saw a song, uh, it was like a... I don't know, whatever class, it's kind of like a beater class he was talking about, I thought. Yeah, yeah. You know, it's kind of organized, so that ought to be pretty interesting. Um, yeah, you know what, and I was thinking too, because like, I, I, aside from going at the end of last year, I hadn't been to the mats in a long time, and uh, it kind of hit me like what, I, I think what kind of hurt the mats more than anything is the freaking, um, the tax, the... Uh, entertainment tax that they charge there you know when when mats was like really strong i mean back in the day and i'm talking like in the 2000s or so you know when i was going to the mats then it was like really huge i mean it was like a staple event that you always wanted to go to you know um and so now you get you rent a hotel you get slapped with a entertainment tax and you go to the event you get slapped with an entertainment tax and it's like I really don't understand why Vegas is doing that, but I think it's hurting them. But I don't know, maybe if they're still filling stadiums and hotel rooms, I guess they can, you know? Yeah. And I was talking to Phil, I'm going to have Phil on the show to talk a little bit more about it, but I was asking him about, um, cause I used to see, uh, when it was strictly Mopars at the strip and I used to see like the car shows they'd have at the hotel. And I know you and I were talking about that last time. Yeah. And, uh, apparently the, there's new owners of the cannery and they really don't care as much as they probably should because it's a really good event and if you can have everybody that goes to that event stay at your hotel 
you know, you're kind of yeah. cashing in, you know, double. Um, but yeah, I mean, it was, that's a little bummer. It was, it's badass. It was badass there. I mean, on the outside of the hotel down the street, it was full of Mopars. And then yeah, you have like inside, you know, the inside the walls, there's like a, like an entertainment area on the outside and they had Kenny Wayne Shepherd playing on stage. Oh, cool. And then his extreme Lee was in there and like a bunch of just high end cars were on the inside. So, I mean, it, I mean, I wasn't gussied up, but there was a lot of people like gussied up. Like this sure. is a really high end event, you know, to attend. Uh, and then when we stayed there, it was like nothing. There was, there was a few cars, but yeah. there was no event going on there. There's yeah. no hanging out, you know? Yeah. I had a totally different vision of uh, muscle cars at the strip when I went, I was like, but I also knew that it was like a last minute planned event and stuff. So yeah. my expectations were, I didn't have, I, I really had no expectations. I just wanted to see what it was all about. Um, yeah. I mean, but, it, uh, it was, it was really different for me because that's the last, I mean, I, when I was going, it was in the heart of its height, I would say. Yeah. And then, you know, and I, I know we had a lot of dynamics going on differently just because they did it a year and they were trying to make it an evening event and uh it was pretty hot so you know i don't know we'll see we'll see how it plays out here next month i think it'll be closer it'll have its best chance of being of what it was you know yeah. by being in march so hopefully it'll be really kick ass and hopefully a lot of people come out um yeah uh, that's that's what i'm hoping i'm trying to stay optimistic because this is kind of like uh from what i understand it's a make it or break it, you know, Phil dedicates six months of his life every year to the show. Yeah. And that, it's not, his, it's not his full-time job. Yeah. So he puts and imagine what the, like, I don't know what the numbers are, but you could imagine what it costs to rent that facility. <laughs> you know what I mean? I, yeah. It doesn't look cheap. <laughs> no. And uh, he was telling me he's got huge discounts on um, the vendor midway this year uh, just to try to get as many people out as he can. It's like, I think he said, I, I shouldn't be quoting this, but I think it was like 60% off if you wanted to have a vendor booth um, at this event, which that's a pretty big discount. You know, It's yeah. over half off. So he's just trying to, this is a make it or break it. He doesn't know if it's going to continue after this event, if it's not successful. So I don't know what successful to them is, but I'm trying to just promote it as much as I can because I had a fun time. I mean, Vegas, for me, Vegas is a fun place to go and just get crazy a little bit for a few days. Yeah. Um, and to combine that with, you know, our love of cars, it's like a, a great thing. You know what I mean? Yeah. During the, well, during the day you go to the event and then at night you go get smashed yeah. and play some slot machines or cars. Yeah. <laughs> well, I think, you know, doing it that way was a, it's a perfect excuse because people, people plan their vacations to go to Vegas anyways, you know? Mm -hmm. So it's like, it gave us car guys an excuse to go, well, honey, we're going to go to Vegas, you know, yeah. in March. And, and you, during the day you went to the car show and you went through the swap meet, the car show section, saw some drag racing. And then the evening you did the Vegas thing. And so it was like killing two birds with one stone. It was, I think an easy way to justify doing a Vegas trip, you know, coinciding the, uh, the mats. So yeah. I think they'll have that going for them come next month. So we'll see. Yeah. I'm uh I'm pretty pumped for it and this time uh, I guess on Saturday there's going to be that little rally up in the mountains I'm kind of excited about that when I saw that pop up and yeah. there's only a, a limited amount of cars that were allowed I was like ooh, so I, I registered us to take the scat pack up there into the mountains hopefully there's some like Lamborghinis and some other crazy cars that we can have some fun with that'll be a lot of fun yeah um, 
Hopefully that guy doesn't have a GPS on that scat pack because I'm planning on having a little fun with that car. <laughs> and from what I understand, <laughs> from what I understand, some of those guys put uh, GPSs in them, and I've seen videos of the guys that rent these cars out and they have the GPS in them and you can open up like the screen and it'll show you like a map of where the car's been. And every time the throttle's been stabbed, it'll show you aggressive <laughs> acceleration here. And there's this one, I forget what kind of car the guy rented out, but he rented out this car and it's like, you can see the guy was in the city and like, you could see he was obviously stabbing it at stoplights and then he gets out onto the freeway and just mashes it. And then he gets out way out in the middle of nowhere and he's just hammering the shit out of this car. I was like, man, I wonder if they have that on all of them. Yeah. <laughs> I was like, oh, yeah. I might have to be a little bit careful, <laughs> but uh, yeah, pretty cool. Yeah. But, I think that'll be pretty fun. I think so. Uh, I, like I said, uh, again, I'm going with no expectations other than I expect it to be bigger than it was when we went in September. That's what I'm hoping. Um, yeah. So we'll see. I think it'll have some advantages, but yeah, it's, you know, it, it, it kind of begs the question too, because I've gone with such a big gap between then and now. Uh, oh, <laughs> oh, cool. A 20 mile an hour roll against a brand new Supra. I hope you whooped his ass. But those new Supras, from what I understand, they're built. I guess BMW had something to do with them uh, building them or something like that. I don't know. I don't know. I just saw I saw Ruben um, last night. Him and Tall John were talking about his car. So I think he yeah. got. I think he figured out the coil was his problem. I don't know if you really? saw the video when we were at duct tape. His car was cutting out bad, man. It was just like cut, 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 cut. You know, it just. Hmm. It wouldn't sing like it should. Yeah. And he's been struggling to figure it out. And we thought it was the, uh, he, he didn't, I think he didn't have a ground strap between the firewall and the block. Oh, and, sure. and I was, I was thinking, man, that's, that's the problem right there. But I don't think it fixed it. And then he did a video recently of, uh, uh, like messing with the, the uh, advance curve on the distributor which is a pretty awesome video too. You got to go check out. Yeah. Uh, and, uh, but I think he's probably got another video in the works. That's going to show the car getting dialed with the new, uh, coil, which oh, is cool. apparently not out yet. So, <laughs> um, but, but yeah, so what begs the question is, is the, uh, you know, what, what does the hobby look like between, you know, there's no way really to know 10 years ago or 20 years ago versus now, you know, how many cars were concentrated within an area? How many of those cars, you know, are they still on the road? Are they still in the country? You know, a lot of stuff has left the country because the hobby's gone global. Mm -hmm. And so it seems like a lot of cars got plucked out of the country. So, you know, when you used to go to the mats, it would be just full. I mean, it was, I, I think the last time I went, the, like the Charger, had the new charger had just come out. So I think that was 2005 or so. Yeah. 2005, 2006, right in there. Yeah. So it was right around there was the last time I had gone and they were doing like, you could jump in the passenger seat and they would take you around the track and, you know, thrash on the cars yeah. and stuff like that. And it was like, it was cool. Cause it was like the, the Hemi's back, you know, yeah, yeah, it, was, yeah. it was a good time. It was, it was fun. And you thought, man, this is going to be awesome. But the amount of new Mopars, versus old school there was the new mopars weren't inside the show those were the cars you drove <laughs> to the show yeah. you know yeah. 
Yeah. The show was just full of old school cars. And I mean, like a lot of really nice ones, a lot of race cars and stuff like that. But, you know, like how many of them are still around and why are they not going back to the event? Are they, like I said, are they gone out of country? Do those guys let them sit and they're not running anymore. You know, there's parking a garage or, you know, like what's, what's really going on. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> <laughs> right joe uh, <laughs> joe says johnny they're all sitting they're all sitting in a yard from assholes and bottom up for 250 bucks <laughs> who could that be hey i did that long before the mats even existed so <laughs> yeah um you know and last year we really didn't cruise around the pits as much and when the staging lanes were packed there was a lot of cars in those staging lanes and the yeah. property is so big it's kind of deceptive because when we went there you know you had all the mopars 5150 guys and birdsong and um i know nico was out there and they all had their you know their barn finds and stuff and then mike coffee was there um and th that was like the attraction for me you know aside from what was going on at the track but we never really got a chance to really cruise the pits and look at all the cars in the pits because when the state at night when the staging lanes filled up i was like holy shit there's a lot of cars here yeah um, so this year i want to make it a point that we got to go check out those pits a little bit closer because there was a lot of cool cars that were sitting over there yeah i mean actually what's kind of funny is the the race cars it doesn't seem like that part's changed any like the mm. amount of old school Mopar race cars from say 20 years ago or 10 years ago to now. Yeah. That, that seems to be pretty consistent. Um, but the car show section, it seems like there's just less, but, and I'm not just talking about mats. It seems like a lot of car shows like our, our most local Mopar show is uh, we used to have, there's a, a, a college for our school for the deaf in Riverside, California. And so, uh, Mopars in May, which is the Inland Mopars Club, would host. They would host it there, and uh, you know, watching, you know, in its heyday, that show was full of really nice cars. Given that we're not really, you know, we're not like a big city, like say San Diego or San Francisco or Los Angeles or something. Being somewhat of a smaller city, it was a pretty good turnout, you know, um, and. The, it's probably been five years or so since I've, um, I, I shouldn't say gone to it because last year I went and it was at a different location. But last time when it was at the school for the deaf, um, it seemed like, wow, it's really split in two. Like the, 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 Mo, the old school Mopar population has shrunk down drastically. And then yeah. now the other half of the show is modern Mopars, you know. <laughs> so it's like they have a big footprint, you know, now. Um, but last year they, they moved it to Ontario and uh, because of the mask thing, because California, that school is California. So they were kind of, I think they were stuck um, because of the mask mandate and stuff like that. They couldn't host the show there. So they had to move to another location. At the new location in Ontario it was pretty kick ass. It was pretty, pretty awesome. Pretty big show, a lot of old school cars. The swap meet was pretty kick-ass also. And, I mean, Mike Coffee probably had one of the biggest freaking swap meet booths there, you know. So, <laughs> surprise, probably, surprise. <laughs> yeah, so he's probably, you know, <laughs> one of the big reasons why it was a huge success. But uh, I look forward to that show. That one's a good one. 
but yeah i've I've seen the same thing around here the only difference is that there was a couple car shows you know because of covid hit so hard around here and so many events were canceled that the car shows that did happen locally everybody came out to them so it was really nice seeing you know so many yeah. cars come out so i'm looking forward to this summer seeing some local events really really blow up hopefully um i know i know i'm tired of being cooped up and i'm I'm really pissed that it affected you know the car enthusiast community so much from you know preventing us from getting out to a lot of the events that we wanted to go to and stuff like that just because a lot of them got canceled just because right. you never know when your gut your local government's going to change you know the bullshit rules so yep Yep. Yeah, that, it was tough, but I, I'm really looking forward to Matt's this year. Uh, it, it was fun when it was a last minute show for me. I had, I still had a good time. Um, so I'm hoping uh, this year uh, it'll be just as cool. And we'll, now that I know that we can get really close to the action, I'm going to be right at the front of that track. And hopefully I get some better camera equipment. Yeah, <laughs> I'm, I'm looking at some stuff right now because, oh, man, some of that footage – uh, it's going to be really good this year. I can't wait. Um, especially now that I got this freaking GoPro. And what's funny is when I was in Georgia, I had all these plans. I brought my GoPro with me and I was like, okay, I'm going to get all the phone footage and then I'm going to go back and get all similar footage with the GoPro so that I have even better video. And I didn't even have enough time to do that. So I got to be careful at Matt's. I got to make sure that, uh, I, I stay on my game. Cause I, I don't know what the weather is like in Vegas in March compared to September. So I got to prepare because my phone was overheating and shit. So I got the, I got the backup. I got the GoPro just in case. Yeah. But uh, we'll, I'm we'll see what happens. But I'm hoping it's not as high. I mean, it, it's yeah. probably, you know, uh, on average, it's probably not as hot, but you never know. You might get one of those screwball days where it's like the hottest freaking March ever. You know? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but, and, and, you know, the D100, it it's it does okay but i don't know how if it's super hot like i don't think it would have survived september when we were there it was so <laughs> hot but yeah uh, so i might be shutting it down for quite a few times if it gets too too hot putting around that's, i think that's how i burned up my tin grill um at the good guys show because at the good guys show i've, I've talked about this many times because these fucking people again look at this yeah these motherfuckers <laughs> we've got we've got some spam in the chat some nudie spam um anyways so at the good guys show you're allowed to cruise around so you find your parking spot claim your spot and then you can just drive around the fairgrounds well of course i'm out there driving around and people are like yeah rev it up so of course i'm sitting there like having a great time rah, rah, rah. having a great time and just you know i <laughs> i uh you know in the truck i didn't trust the gauges Cause I was looking at, it, I was like, this temperature gauge has not moved and it like it, it, it climbed and then stayed. And I was like, there's no way it's that cool. Not out here, not yeah. sitting here idling and then just revving it up and being crazy. And I think that, uh, it just got, uh, it got a little too hot. And then on the way home, it finally just let go and started burning up. Um, but, uh, I, I suspect it was the alternator overcharging, but I don't know the way it was burning. I was like, uh, I just, is this recently? Yeah, this was uh, last July. Oh, when so I, when the fire, the wiring harness caught fire, oh. um, and it looked the way it looked, it looked like it started at the alternator, worked its way back all the way to the bulkhead, which it was crazy because I was driving. I just dropped Paul, who was in the chat earlier. I dropped him off in downtown Seattle, and uh, 
being an asshole, I cruise through the like super green neighborhood just to piss people off because it's like there's a noise ordinance in Seattle and they're really against loud exhaust and they hate fucking loud cars. So I was like, oh, I'm going to go cruise over there and just be an asshole. So I cruised over there, jumped on the freeway. And thank God my buddy Mike is a mechanic and he lives on the exit that I was approaching as I started to smell some something not right. Cause I'm on the freeway and I'm cruising, just having a good time listening to music. And there's two shitbox cars in front of me. And I'm like, I was like, I wonder if that smells one of them. And I was like, Oh yeah, for sure. It's one of them. <laughs> right. And they kind of take off and I'm like, Holy shit, that's me, dude. And uh, I'm looking at my buddy's exit and I'm like, yeah, I think I can make it home. It can't be that big of a deal. And I'm, I'm smelling it. I'm like, what is that smell? And I'm like, Oh God, Okay. It's not coolant. It's not. And I'm going through all that the fluids in my head of what what is that burning smell and i'm like that's fucking electrical and uh that's when my wipers started going off and i was like what the fuck is going on and i i knew that it was some wires melting down and fucking shorting out and shit so i got off the freeway and my lights started dimming and shit i was like oh god no and the wipers are still going off and i was playing with the switch it wasn't working so i pull over to my buddy's house pop the hood and i can see the smoke coming out and i'm like oh shit and of course, I didn't have a fire. Now I carry a fire extinguisher in that truck. Yeah. That's the second time I've had an issue with that thing catching fire. So I popped the hood and it was melting down. I was like, I was watching it melt. I was like, oh, thank God there was no flames or anything. But and I stopped it just in time. But had I kept going, I would have burned that fucking truck to the ground, dude. Yeah. Uh, yeah it, would have, it would have been pretty gnarly. <laughs> Trevor. Trevor's in the house. What's up, Trevor? Chris, <laughs> my boy. How you been? Good, man. What's up? What's happening? Oh, you know, just uh, enjoying Midnight Mass with uh, Brother Chris delivering the sermon at the Church of Mother Mopar. <laughs> Church of Mother Mopar. I love it. Yes, sir. Um, yeah. How were you? Oh, Go sorry. Ahead. I was just going to say real real quick, um, going to the junkyards in the 90s, man, I couldn't tell you how many truck doors I opened and you would see like somebody pulled the dash out of it and it's just like all <laughs> melted down in there, you know. Yeah. They're kind of notorious for that, fortunately. Oh, I know. Like, I uh, I think the most notorious one, if I remember right, is the alternator wire at the bulkhead always burns out through the amp meter or the voltmeter, mm -hmm. whatever it is. Uh, and so yeah. me and my buddy, uh, Matt, we just hot-wired it. He took a hot poker, melted right through the bulkhead, and hard-wired it to the uh, voltmeter. So never had any problems with my alternator and the ram charger since. <laughs> I uh, I had my gauge cluster restored and I had them fireproof the ammeter, so I haven't had any issues since. And the gauges seem to be operating correctly, with the exception I think I have a bad speedometer cable because I had everything hooked up and I double checked everything, and my speedometer is still off by like ten miles an hour. It's really pissing me off now, and I didn't realize it at first because I was driving around and I'm like, "Fuck, I'm going fast. I'm going like ninety miles an hour." I'm like, "The fuck!" And uh, I was like, "This thing is at ninety, even though it does handle like shit." Um, but uh, I realized pretty quick that the speedometer was off. Um, well, that's so the, uh, get back and that's in the too. transmission. That's that. There's a little gear that that thing plugs into, and, and you can you can swap them out and shit, right? Yeah, I got I got to look into that. Yeah, it depends on your tire size. So depending on which tire size you're using, you want to switch that little gear that's in there, and then that'll change that'll calibrate or that'll change your your speedometer. I need to look into that because the speedometer, even when I had it before with the old gauge cluster, it that was off tube and it hasn't been consistent. 
and I it was uh, on the same wheels and tires then. So um, I will look into that because I do know exactly what you're talking about, and I expected it to be off, but I didn't expect it to be that far off. So I got to look and figure out what the hell's going on. Yeah. Um, I don't know what the original tire size on that thing was either. I got to look that up and figure out what the ratio is. So I've been extremely it. lazy wiring my Ram charger. All I did to get it running was hook up the, uh, God, what I hook up. I hooked up the ignition side, but I don't have a speedometer. I don't have an oil gauge, but <laughs> valves aren't clattering, so it's getting oil pressure. <laughs> How are your other projects going, Trevor? Well... <laughs> I mean, hit and miss, right? Like I was telling you on uh, Messenger, like I'm trying to do my projects like uh, Johnny Mopar. You came up with like the best uh, project uh, description, like the ring of projects, you know? Oh, yeah, yeah. I, I, I love that term because, you know, the first ring is the cars you're never going to get rid of, the ones you're always going to keep. You know, number two is the ones... <laughs> You really, really, really don't want to get rid of, but if somebody threw enough money at you, you'll get rid of them. So um, I think at this point, I'm trying to figure out which one to get to because I'm getting my small projects out of the way first. Like uh, I'm getting my TRX 450 ready for the summer because I want to hit the sand. Uh, I'm thinking I'll get started on the D100 first because it's easy enough to put a 360 and a four speed in it because it's already a three speed on the tree slant six and i did find a 360 magnum it needs a rebuild but it was only 400 bucks and it's still in the crate wow. so it's like like chris was telling me do the easiest ones first and it's like man i really want to get started on my ram charger but the d100 is practically rust free all it needs is a front fender and a door and the whole body straight so it's like i'll probably do that one first because it's like well <laughs> I can have a street warrior and then I could fix the really rusty ones, my Ram charger, my coronet. Cause it's just the coronet's gonna take the longest because it's already the most expensive one I've got. Yeah. Cause anything 60s Chrysler is gonna be expensive. So the D one hundred's probably gonna get my full attention once I get to my cars, because right now I'm just working on my four wheelers the stuff that's cheapest but when you're making horsepower is anything really cheap <laughs> yeah it's a not really not not in not in the dodge camp anyways mopar no. camp even for trucks chris was just talking about that today right um, yeah but i'm sitting here preaching oh yeah dodge trucks are great projects <laughs> it's like yeah. eh, well you can't find parts for them unless you yeah somebody's the out there cursing you out you bastard <laughs> but it's funny well, because every once in a while a really good one lands in the boneyard and if you're not yeah. there, that thing is picked fucking clean. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Well, yeah that's other interesting story. I, uh, that's how I met one of my, my, my best friends is he, uh, drives my buddy Gage. He drives an 85 Ram charger and he moved from California. So he made the right choice there. So I already knew he was smart. <laughs> <laughs> and he's like, I drove that Ram charger to work just to make friends. And we'd never met each other. And I said, is that, is that Ram Charger 85? He's like, why, yes, it is. And I see him visibly get relaxed because he's <laughs> told me enough times about how many times people said, nice Bronco or nice Blazer. And I'd want to kick their teeth into him. Like, this is a Ram Charger. This is the best SUV ever made. This is not a Bronco or a Blazer. This is a Ram Charger. 
let's see what I can, we got some people in the chat here. Joe's uh, Joe says, uh, I was just reading an ad for a 70 coronet wagon. And they said the hood from those were used with the Superbird. I yes. think people, you, I, yeah, uh, I know that I've seen them used, um, in Superbird clones. Like people will take the hood off of 70 coronet. Um, I don't know if they have to be modified. They do uh, the extension right in the front. Yeah. Cause the, the coronet, you know, it's got the wraparound bumpers yeah. on the front. Mm-hmm. So the front of the hood kind of dips in the middle. Yeah, so yeah. the front edge of a coronet hood is cut off. And then that's like right. an extension piece is put on that's flat to be a Superbird hood. But it's the Superbird uses a legit coronet hood. It's off of a Dodge Coronet. They use the fenders on the Coronet too? They did. Yep. Uh-huh. Yep. Interesting. Um, yep. Good morning. Yeah, and I, oh, sorry. Go for it. Uh-huh. Saying hi to our buddy from Sweden. Uh, what's up, Will? Johnny, do you have stock suspension on the duster? No. <laughs> um, it's pretty much stock. It's is it? uh, yeah. The only thing that's not stock is I have SPC. Uh, oh, let me let me rephrase that. I guess uh, it's not original factory front suspension. Um, but it's nothing fancy. It's just like the disc brake kit is an A body style disc brake kit. I did put drop spindles on it, so it's got two inch drop spindles on it. And then I put SPC upper control arms on it because um, I have the car sitting really low. And with the upper arms pushed all the way out, the car still has negative camber. Um, So I had to get the SPC arms to have more adjustments, get more degrees to push the wheels more straight up and down. So, and then I cheated because the SPC kit it basically, you know, where you have the eccentrics, the factory eccentrics to adjust the upper A-arms in and out, um, they put just straight bolts with round washers on it. So you lose the, the factory adjustment and then it has like the threaded, um, the threaded sleeves to push mm. the, uh, the control arm out. Yeah. So I put the factory eccentrics back in it so i can increase my adjustability so i have the factory adjustment and then i have the spc arm adjustment so my wheels are pretty much straight up and down um you guys got to watch johnny's video of aligning that car i was like i was sitting there i was like damn this guy is old school as shit (laughs) i was like this is amazing that video that video had me intrigued yeah it's not fun i mean because you know without any kind of tool like equipment you know um and then the problem is you when you start adjusting one side you go to the other side and you see it's screwed up now because there's nothing to lock the wheel down you know so you have to do a lot of back and forth and then the um caster is like really difficult because it's more of a feel you just got to get it as close as you can and then drive the car and kind of like let go of the steering wheel and then if the car goes one direction <laughs> you know that they're the caster's not the same you got to tweak on that side to get it to go the other way so that video is really good for theory but like i'm not even sure the car's still dead nuts in fact i'm yeah. gonna next weekend i'm gonna take it to the alignment shop um my buddy dennis he knows somebody in Hemet that's got an alignment shop and then a friend of mine at work like dropped doubt in my head because I I started having flashbacks. Uh, and this is in the 90s. I took my 70 Charger to Winston Tire to get it aligned. And I shit you not, like 
the guys today and even from the 90s to now, they don't know what the hell they're doing. They do not know how to align an old school car. And the old school cars, they're just, they're not as tight as new cars. They're sloppy. So mm -hmm. you have to align them with the full weight of the car down, you know, and dial in those wheels, how the car is going to be rolling down the road. They like to lift the car up. So the wheels are just like hanging. And yeah. then you put all your, your tools and sensors and, you know, whatever bullshit on there and then they line it up and it's like oh yeah there you go it's dead nuts computer says it's you know it's perfect and then when you put the weight of the car down on your wheels are like freaking like all jacked up so they line my 70 charger and i'm like what the f i i'm pulling out of the place i can't even drive 10 feet the, the wheels are so jacked up and they're squealing and i'm like you guys, are you kidding me? Like, I can't even make it home. Yeah. They're like, well, we, we're closed. We just closed. Like, bring it back tomorrow. And I'm like, I can't even drive down the street. It is so bad. Yeah. Like, it's, it's worse than it was when I drove in. So I had to crawl under the car myself and freaking tweak the alignment enough to get it straight enough to drive it home. It's like freaking ridiculous. So anyway, that was my flashback. And so I called my buddy and I'm like, dude, this guy in Hemet, does is he an old school guy? Like, we need that chain smoker old guy that's like those fucking new guys don't know what the fuck you line an old ballpark like those are the guys you need they know their shit right but most of them are they're dead now they're too fucking old need that guy voice box going hello i'm here to yeah those are the guys you want those guys know their their stuff but uh so then uh dennis called his buddy that he's the guy that I think he owns Barona, the drag strip. And he's like, oh, yeah, you got to go to this shop down in San Diego. So we got to drive an hour down to San Diego next Saturday, or I do, to get the car aligned. So we'll find out. We'll find out how close I was, you know, because I haven't aligned it since. I can go up and down the road, but it's a little it's a little squirrely. I think it's more to do with the tires because I have drag tires on it. So they're only, you know, <laughs> yeah. like seven and a half inches. Yeah, they're pizza cutters, and the, the bottom of the tire, it's not flat. It's, like, arched, so the contact mm. area is really small. Yeah. For, you know, See, Steve Dulcich taught me you can align a duster with a tape in a bubble in a bubble level. Yeah. yeah you, you can. Uh, I mean, you could do it better than most shops can do it these days, but, you know, it's not, it's not simple. It's a lot of back and forth. You're going to do a lot of back and forth. Well, see, you know, all the Dodges I've owned, like, I, I've learned one thing. If you're not on top of the steering, it's going to be sloppy. Like, my old 97 Ram 1500, yeah, I got lazy about doing the steering box because it's a pain-in-the-ass job. But, you know, that thing, it was, I mean, it was darting all over the road. So, I just learned in all my Dodges, you're darting all over the place if you aren't on top of your steering components. Yeah. Yeah, <laughs> there was many times where people would come in and, you know, they'd want an alignment, but the front end was completely shot when I worked at a tire store back in the day. And we, uh, I worked at a tire store where it, the owners were old school and everybody brought their hot rods there because of what Johnny is saying. They had the alignment rack where they had the the pivoting plates. So you just put the um, the heads on the wheels and the weight of the car would be sitting on these plates that could rotate. So you just lift yeah. the car in the air and then you do your adjustments or whatever. But there's many people where they'd come in and you'd be like, hey, you need a whole new front end. And they'd be like, I don't got." And then you quote them 
they were like, I don't got the money for that. Just align it the way it is. It's like, all right, okay. You want to waste your money. It's going to still drive yeah. like shit. We'll do it as best we can. And I remember because we would get printouts and shit and it would show you either everything's green or everything's red and you'd get those cars and like, this is as close we could get it. It's all fucking red. It's like, oh, well, <laughs> yeah. but you need a new front end, dude. So, well, you know what I, uh, I learned, I was watching a video. Who's the guy who uh, runs house of colors, house of muscle. Um, oh, I can't... Uh, uh, Mike, Mike Musto. Well, no. I watching is it Mike video. Musto? I, I think, think so. Musto. Yes, it's Mike Musto. I was watching a YouTube video of his a long time ago about his uh, charges, like 2014, 2015. And he was saying how uh, what guys, a lot of guys, they make the mistake of is they want their car to be pretty. They want it to be flashy. They want it to look nice, but they forget about everything else. Like he said, <laughs> he was all concerned about making his car pretty. But that 440 ran like garbage, and he said he could never, he never got it to run right until he realized it's not all about looking good. Like that's a bonus, but for me, looks have never been as important as making the car run right. Like I had an '88 Pontiac Bonneville, I called the Bonerville. That thing was a pile. <laughs> 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 oh that's funny <laughs> i was probably the only 23 year old in the entire state that owned three pontiac bonnevilles at once you're probably the only <laughs> you're probably the only guy in the country <laughs> it's, uh, it's, so you know that car i mean it was worth 500 bucks maybe with a tank of gas in it but i kept it running right so it's like <laughs> It don't got to look good, but if it gets you down the road, that's the most important thing because you could look pretty as you want on the side of the road. You're still on the side of the road. Yeah, absolutely. I actually got really excited. Speaking of uh, coilovers, I got really excited when I found out that uh, that company, I forget the name of it now, um, has a coilover suspension kit for the tin grills. I was like, are you shitting me right now? Because I've been waiting for something to upgrade the suspension on that truck. Um, yes. It just it handles like complete shit. So the, the oh your current your current truck? Yeah, the Mr. Norm truck. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Is it how much is it? Because Johannes was talking about uh the duster he was gonna do yeah. over conversion. That's what that's what reminded me of it. Um it's like okay. twelve hundred it's like twelve hundred bucks. But uh it's uh According to Blake, it's like the brother of the guy who owns, I think he said QA1, but uh, oh. I guess he branched off or whatever. And I remember talking to the guys at QA1 at Mo Party because I saw that they came out with swept line stuff. And I was like, man, when are you going to hook up the the first gen and the tin grill guys? Yeah. And they're like, oh, you know, it's got to be a demand or whatever. And I'm like, shit. And then um, I actually saw the kit on ebay and i was like oh, stay away from that but i looked up the brand viking something and uh it's it's legit so i was like holy shit and uh that got me really excited because i've been wanting to upgrade the suspension on mr norm especially if i'm going to uh put a hemi in it and you know throw some more power at it i want it to handle good um yeah. i also need to i also need to um get the rear end dialed in because uh it is a one wheel peel and I can't have that. <laughs> yeah. So is mine, by the way. So, oh, is it? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I just I can't, need the it, sure grip. It just runs good enough to like, I just can't justify spending any money and any time on it. You know, it's like, <laughs> it's definitely doesn't handle the greatest, you know, it, 
get shitty gas mileage. It's <laughs> the shot, you know, it's like, but it's not bad enough to justify taking it apart and stuff, you know? So it's like, I got cars that are in worse shape than it that I can focus <laughs> on, you know? You got chargers and shit. I think the 10 year can wait. <laughs> I got to tell you, I own a Ram V10 and I feel your pain about gas mileage. A 35 gallon tank at the way gas prices are now, no thanks. Yeah. <laughs> Brian, what's up, buddy? What's up? What's up, Brian? Mr. How are you guys Stalker. doing? Yeah. <laughs> hey, did you guys see Brian's video of calling out Lunar? I started to watch it because I got all excited. I, I just the just the first line. I was like, "Oh shit!" <laughs> you gotta I watch what I was it. doing, but I got I got distracted. I need to watch it. It's only yeah, a minute long, is it? Yeah, yeah, it's yeah. It's short. short. But I was like, I was like, "Ooh, yeah." It was, it was funny. I, I was it like, was "Are these guys?" tight they must be tight they must be buddies to be able for, for brian to be coming in that strong <laughs> no yeah i don't but I you know not. he didn't take it serious no one's taking my call out serious so i'm just you know, right now i don't have a race oh well um, i'll race I, you on my three-wheeler <laughs> i may have i may have somebody i i'm not going to sell them out yet because i don't know I'm going to sell them out. Scott, I apologize if you hear this. My buddy Scott, he lives over in Spokane. He's got a duster. It's fully caged, tubbed out. And uh, he decided, based on our podcasts and stuff, uh, that he's going to try to make it to Sykeston. And uh, I was like, oh, man. And I've been thinking about this. I was like, oh, I've got the perfect matchup for Brian. Oh, who is that? Is that... um... Heaven's Mopars is yes, channel. Yes, yes. Yeah, I started yeah. watching that guy. Yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. Super nice guy. Awesome guy. I think it would be fun to watch you guys because you guys, you know. He needs, to, he needs to jump on uh, you, so you know him? Yeah, yeah. Not like I haven't ever met him personally, but it's kind of like a, a Johnny Mopar and I situation where I talk to him online all the time. And uh, uh, he's super nice. Like he couldn't be a nicer guy. Um, Tell and him. he's got this duster. I know. I watched his videos. He's working yeah. on that Challenger too. Tell him to hit me up okay. on Facebook, uh, Dust Devil Garage mm-hmm. on Facebook. Shameless plug. And um, <laughs> tell him to send me a message, and I'll let him know next time I do a live where I'm trying yeah. to help everybody get up to 500. Yeah, absolutely. And uh, yeah, I'd like for I'd, I'd like for him to come in and you know talk about his stuff and. When I found out that he was going to try to get out to Sykeston, uh, he's got his Challenger and a couple other projects in the way. But uh, I was like, oh, that'd be perfect because there was I was trying to buy his duster for a minute. Um, not too seriously. But uh, when I found out he was trying to get it to Sykeston, I was like, oh, that's awesome. But the funny thing about it is that whoever fabricated the cage didn't really take into account. Let me put you this way. The driver door doesn't shut because the cage is in the way. So he's got to fix a couple of things because I don't know who fabricated it, but they, they miscalculated a little bit. Well, that's but, the uh, thing, though. Everybody acts like I've got such a long road ahead of me to build my car. If he does that, he's fixing a car to sell to build a car that's in about the same shape as mine. No, and that's why I was like, oh, it's perfect because you guys are both pretty much at the same spot with your dusters. Yeah, so I was like, oh, I'll man, do whatever I can to help you right? get out there. Yeah, no, absolutely. I'm gonna have to. Uh, I'm right. He seems down, like so a really good guy. He's got dogs. I like dogs. He's a super nice guy. Couldn't be nicer. Um, yeah, it would be fun. Fun to see two dusters go at it, especially since you guys are both. You know, the dusters are pretty much. Uh, you know, relatively in similar condition. You know, they're pretty much yeah. shells. So yeah. that's that's really cool. Um, I'll definitely get a hold of Scott uh, tomorrow and uh, let him know. How well, are you doing on your duster, Brian? Where are you at? 
I'm at parts collecting mode is what I'm in right now. Okay. I know that feeling. I collected parts for over a year for my 250R. It involves a lot of patience, dealing with a lot of flakes, and eventually finding that guy who has everything you need. Did you end up getting a parts car for that thing, Brian? Um, well, I'm not going to get the whole car because okay. I really don't have a place to put it right now. Yeah. And uh, I don't need to be working on a car and trying to get rid of a parts car at the same time. But the dude's going to let me come out there and basically take everything I want off of it. Nice. I'm probably going to be doing that next weekend and I'll do a video on that. I figured that might be a good video. Did you ever yeah. get that rear end situation handled? Uh, no, I'm actually looking for a rear end, but I've got a couple leads and Indies coming up in like two weeks. So, oh yeah, yeah, yeah. two or three weeks. So I'm, I'm, Anything I don't find out there, that's when I go into buying from other places. But yeah, I keep hearing about that swap meet. I've never been. I keep hearing it's it's, it's pretty amazing. Yeah, ah, it's another one on the bucket list. I got to get to someday. Yeah, yeah. Well, I go is there that, every year. So is that, a, is that the Mopar Nationals or is that a different show? That's uh, it's out in Indy. It's just an all Mopar swap meet. Indy Cylinder Heads puts it on at the fairgrounds. Oh. It's huge. Okay. They change the days. Usually it's Saturday and Sunday, but uh, this year they're doing it Friday and Saturday. What? Uh, how far away is that from you, Brian? Uh, about three hours away. It fucking I'm, seems I'm like you're close in to a everything. Good place. I yeah, I am in a good spot. <laughs> Shit! Every time I hear about something cool, it's like Brian's like, hey, I'm going. To, like, fuck, how close <laughs> I are you? Well, I mean, I'm five hours away from Mo Party, but. That's where I messed up. That's where I messed up last year at Mo Party was I decided since you were going to be there, I was like, oh, I'm going to go out there and meet Chris, you know, told the wife because we, we weren't going to go. And I was yeah. like, no, nah, we need to go. And we did it last minute. And I ended up like just leaving out and getting there. I left out early in the morning. And then whenever we met there is when I got yeah. there, I was half asleep. <laughs> and then it was so damn hot. Oh my God! That was it was a different muggy level for out me. There. God, I I don't think my back has ever sweat that much. I was like, "What is happening to me out here?" <laughs> I think uh. that's the worst part. Chris will tell you, living in the Pacific Northwest, there's just not a whole lot of like Mopar specific uh, events. Like down Midwest towards the South, like the Mopar scene is just so much bigger. Like where I'm at, I'm I'm next to the Woodburn Drag Strip. I get like one day a year where yeah. everybody brings out their good stuff. Like it's uh it's a Mopar day, uh, Mopars at Woodburn or something like that. Yeah. And it's just the one day a year where I could take a wad of cash and somebody's going to have what I need, be it my Ram charger, my Coronet or my D100. And it's like, why can't I have more days like that? Like make it a weekend or hell, even a week, not just a day where I have one day to be like, okay, I need this, this, and this. And then if I forget something, I'm like, ah, shit, got to wait for that guy another year. Well, I got, let's see, I've got Indy that's like three hours away. Um, then up here at uh, Gateway International, they're doing a, they did start it last year and it wasn't very big. But uh, they're doing a Mopar thing up there where there's going to be an all Mopar swap meet. And then, like, um, the first year of Moparty, it was really small. I mean, the swap meet was like, took like two minutes to walk through. But last year, it was huge. Mm. Last year, I didn't even get to walk through all of it. <laughs> 
Yeah, I, so. that's why I need, I need to be in a different part of the country. This is yeah, you do where, where I live is Johnny. not conducive to what the hell I'm trying to yeah. do. <laughs> well, My I wife just say that there's no uh, like specific place around me. Like uh, about an hour away from me, there's Wildcat Auto Wrecking. Yeah, and they uh, they got a lot of like truck stuff. If that makes sense. <laughs> a lot of shall we say the less desirable Mopars. Like they have some Cornets. They have no chargers no challengers like whatever like more desirable mopars they had have been bit, picked clean long ago but there's just tons and tons of truck stuff because it's the area like it's up in the boonies like what's an old farmer gonna do when he's got a truck he doesn't want he's gonna take it to wildcat but nobody really did that there's one or two like 66 67 cornets laying around up there but the complete ones are gone in a hurry like it's just mostly truck stuff so i, I own I trucks but it's just the fact that the muscle car stuff it's just there's not a lot at wildcat i've seen them they've sold a couple good a bodies and i think a couple like early 70s b bodies but uh there it's definitely a great place for a van guy because i've seen they have a lot of a100 shit and a series van stuff um and also b series van stuff and actually i was like a minute too late and they had a a really nice boogie van that they ended up sending overseas some guy bought it (laughs) basically sight unseen except for in pictures and uh, it ended up going uh, i don't remember what country but they loaded it up it had the the porthole window and all that shit i was like oh that would have been perfect and it was in solid shape so i i frequent their website just to see what kind of projects they have for sale but they've had the same row of a100s forever and nobody will buy them um well, i got to i got to make it out there i heard the place is still for sale for like 2 2 million or 3 million something crazy like that worth it <laughs> I think it would be pretty cool to have. But. Well, I've got uh, about an hour about an hour away from me. There's uh, – I can't remember the name of the yard, but it's in Catawissa, Missouri, and it's all Mopar. The dude is like the third largest Mopar yard in the country. Shit, you're in Illinois. Have you ever been to Mopar City? No, that's that's farther north. Oh, that's okay. like uh, I, I want to go there. Well, I've heard that they're that guy's selling out too, though. Isn't yeah, it? and everything he doesn't sell is getting crushed, dude. They may have some duster shit up there, dude. I may I may have to I may have to take a ride up there one weekend. It <laughs> call may be, him, I think dude. that's like four hours away or something. You may want to well, call him. He may have some shit. And he may be letting it go for cheap. I don't know how mm-hmm. soon he's going to be scrapping shit, but I know he's got stuff up there. If you what look at the overhead picture. Down. Uh, if you look at the overhead picture, you can see all the high impact colored cars. It's like holy shit! Um, well, Chris, if you ever find your way uh, down uh, down uh, in the Willamette Valley, uh, I'll take you up to Wildcat. Know exactly how to get there, because well, <laughs> it's the place uh, dreams are made of for an old farm boy who likes his mud trucks. <laughs> the yeah. highest. Oh, sorry. Go for it. No, I was saying. Uh... I've been meaning to go down there and talk to those guys for a minute. I just haven't had a chance. And when they put it up for sale, it kind of killed my drive to go down there. But um, they, I, still as open. far as I know, yeah, as far as I know, it hasn't sold. And um, I, I'd like to go check out some of their van shit because I need some stuff. <laughs> I, I don't know if I'll ruin the surprise, but as soon as you walk into their office, sitting in the corner is either a 69 or a 70 complete six-pack 440. Oh, really? That's and, cool that is probably the highest dollar part on the whole property because it's a complete you know six pack 440 how often do you see that yeah that's awesome i know they got a stash of tin grill parts there so that's another reason why i need to go head out there um we'll oh, see so though i'll let you know when i come down 
they even have some old, uh, if I remember last, I don't know if it's still there, but they had some old, like, uh, 50s military wagons or ambulance wagons. Like, they've got some oddball stuff up there that you're just like, man, that's cool. I don't want to buy it, but I'm probably never going <laughs> to see it again, you know? Um, yeah, I really want to get a hold of this Mopar City because... Uh, I've got some money burning a hole in my pocket. I want to see what they got up there. Um, especially if, they, if it's all getting crushed. I'm like, you know, and a lot of people are like, oh, it's all it's all garbage and shit. But it's like every time I hear some a lot of the stuff that I see that I'm like, oh, I want that. People are like, it's garbage. So, <laughs> man, I, I feel like I was watching some guy. I can't remember his name, but I was watching some guy on YouTube. And there was like this. I think this guy just had a bunch of old cars spread in the woods of his property and he died. And so the family was cleaning it up and they were stacking these cars up and they were probably like stacked four high, four or five high. Right. And they, they were, they were going to go to the crusher. They were all going to go to the crusher. And the guy's like, I mean, he's running the camera across them and they're bad. They're in bad shape. Like they're rusty probably not very many usable parts on any of these cars there was a couple of mopar sprinkled in nothing exotic but you know like a duster and i think there was an aspen or something and there was like the the best car was like a 64 b body or so 63 or 4 b body but it's like it sucks to see that stuff it's like there's still enough of the car that you could see you can make it out and it's just going to be completely erased from the planet and you feel like like couldn't we like cut parts off of that car and make all wall art out of it or something. You yeah. know, so it's like, you know, it lasts forever. At least it has some use by being a piece of art on somebody's wall versus completely, you know, getting melted down. Well, that takes me back to the first episode of Talking Mopars where that guy, you know, he crushed his <laughs> purple 70 Charger 500 and yeah. You know, Chris rightfully so was laying into him. And if I I was screaming at my phone, I know he couldn't hear me, but I'm like, it's a 70 charger. I don't care how rusted out that thing is. You don't mm. do that. Yeah. yeah. Just what pisses me Chris off. Birdsong. Yeah. What pisses me off is it seems like it was a pretty reasonable price, too. If I remember right, it was like four grand or something, something like that. Either yeah. either it was four grand or he was offered four grand or something. And he was like, oh, fuck for that price. I'll crush it. And I'm just like, yeah. just take what you can get for it. Asshole. Shit. I, I yeah. don't know. That, it no, just pisses me off. <laughs> Doing that this man lives on in the worst way possible. We're still talking about him like over two years later. Yeah, because he was enough of an asshole to crush a seventy charger. Yeah. Every well, time I listen to that episode, I, I'm, I'm like, God, fuck if if uh, there was a drinking game for however many times I call that guy a douchebag, <laughs> you'd be fucking smashed. <laughs> yeah. Well, that gives you a clue though why he did it because you know doing this YouTube stuff like. Part of the game is you're trying to get people to watch your channel and sub to your channel and stuff and get your videos to go viral. I mean, that'd be ideal. And then, you know, you start to realize now that you're kind of on the other side of the fence, now I can see why people do shit like that. I mean, yeah. Sacrificing that guy. That that video spread like wildfire. Like everybody knew who he was. Who knows how much money he made off of making that video? If he was already monetized and set up, I mean yeah, but still, I mean, I don't know. I don't know if he made as much as he could have made off of the car. Well, I I mean, it depends. If the car was, say the car was worth four or five grand, and let's say he made 20 grand on it, 
you know, then you go. Yeah. It, it's just like whistling diesel, right? He took a TRX. I was about to say whistling diesel. Yeah, he took a brand new TRX Hellcat motor truck and destroys it, right? Okay, what's that truck cost? It's like a hundred thousand dollar truck, right? And but obviously he made who knows? I I don't know what he made on it. He probably made four or five fold what it cost him to buy the truck to do that, you know. And so it just becomes just like the movies, just like Fast and Furious, they destroy a 70 charger or two or three or four. But when they make millions of dollars making the video or the movie, you know, it's like it's just a, it's part of the cost of doing the movie. Well, look what he did with that Hellcat he bought. I mean, he stuck it on wagon wheels and bottomed it out in his cornfield. I mean, he's making bank, you know, like he destroys $100,000 any level Fords and, you know, like, well, he could, he could like 20 Duramaxes at this point. He's making bank off of what he's doing. Uh, it's amazing what you can make on social media. I Johnny knows how much I've made on that fucking 85 Shelby Charger video. And it's not the first video I've done on it. The first video I did was back in like June of last year, and it made me like a grand. Did this the other one, one hit good too? Dude, this last one is almost, I think it's almost at 3 million views, but I've made almost four grand on it. I'm knocking on the door four grand. It's like 39 something. I'm like, you're shitting me. And it's it's the most viewed I've ever had a video um by far yeah. it's at like 2.9 million or something what I, is I haven't it? looked it's an 85 shelby charger that i did a 30 second reel on that's made me four thousand dollars <laughs> um that's 85. why i'm looking for 85 chargers on marketplace right now <laughs> when uh i <laughs> dude i could not believe i don't know what it is about that car i thought for sure going out to georgia that i'd do some videos on it and they'd fucking blow up but they nothing has touched that charger i don't get it it's insane um, I think part of it was me being I kind of trolled people and I was like, is this V8 swap worthy? Because I knew that people would fucking lose their minds and they did. And it's been it's been a cash cow for me. So every time somebody hates on it, I'm like, yes, bring it. Come on, more, more. Brian's going to find one and he's going to do an LS swap on it. Everybody <laughs> <to> hate him. <laughs> it's going to go viral. <laughs> What's funny is that the video made me four grand, but I also have the analytics of how many followers I lost since the video came out it's actually pretty shocking i'm like 300 people just said fuck this guy and yeah. took off. well people love watching nice expensive cars get trashed like when the hellcat first came out when roke kills uh greatest moments was when they took a brand new viper a brand new challenger hellcat and a brand new charger hellcat on a dirt bike track and <laughs> that's that's every like just guy who's beat passenger cars out in the woods dream like i would love to get paid to take a 707 horsepower hellcat and go jump it off a dirt bike track yeah for sure you guys can see that 2.99 million on the charger that's how many <laughs> people have viewed that thing 2.99 equals basically four thousand dollars on facebook um, for for reels for 30 second reels it's insane they're getting there they have this bonus program going out right now because they're trying to compete with tiktok um and it's been very profitable for me that one video anyway everything else seems to fall flat on its face but uh <laughs> it blows my mind i don't know how much you make per million views on youtube but i bet that's comparable um which goes to say you know these guys that have millions of views on youtube they're making some good money 
but some of the shit I'm seeing, I'm like, how can they afford that? Because unless they're unless they have outside sponsors or something, or YouTube pays a lot more than I think. Um, well, what did Tony say the other day? He actually did a did something where he was talking about like a video that gets like a million views. He can said that uh, him like what like twenty grand. He said. Uh, he oh, said shit. three million views is like thirty thousand dollars. Yeah, because he was talking about like these guys that are. You know, like this infinite energy, like hooking an alternator to a, a generator and then wiring them together and then put a ripcord on it, which he, he's calling all bullshit. But <laughs> why, why it is it is. But why are they doing it is to get views. And, and these these videos have like three million views. And he says that's like thirty thousand dollars. So, I mean, all right, well, then Facebook ain't paying shit and I'm getting ripped off. <laughs> <laughs> Well, I mean, I don't know. I don't know how. I mean, even if you could come up with one video like that, it, as awesome as it would be, I mean, you'd have to do something like that consistently to to make it a living, you know? Yeah. I just God, don't think yeah. you could do it. I mean, obviously, that guy did a few of them, I guess, because it's the same guys. It's like from Indonesia or something like that, you know, somewhere in Asia, they were doing this. Um, $30,000 in fucking Asia. Well, is pretty much well, a millionaire. <laughs> yeah, it probably is. Maybe you only do need one, one hit and then you got your mansion. You're good. <laughs> <laughs> you head well, over to Bangkok and you're going to have a good time with $30,000. I'll tell you that. <laughs> well, you know, we, we think of the, the Mopar community as, you know, large as well. It is mostly American, but you know, like the fin- Finland has a huge Mopar scene and uh, Australia, they have a massive Mopar scene too. Like uh, they had their chargers with the straight six Hemi, you know, we didn't get that here. Yeah. So it's just something to think about. Like it's way bigger than you ever thought it would be. Well, it is in the nineties. Uh, the Japanese were swooping up a bunch of American iron because their currency was so strong back then. So a bunch of stuff went to Japan. Um, even in Germany, sea bodies are huge in Germany. So they've been buying a bunch of sea bodies going over there. Uh, I think in Sweden or Finland too, they're they're in the sea bodies. Uh, but yeah, and who knows what else? You know, I know Australia's big. So well, I have a, a, a Mopar Action magazine uh, sitting around somewhere that had a big story on Mopars in the Middle East. And, you know, the Middle Eastern cats, they got all that oil money. They can afford any damn thing. Like, <laughs> yeah. and they're, they're buying like a- anything they can because, you know, we get first dibs because they were made over here. But uh, one guy had a slant six, four speed 70 challenger. And that might be rare, but it's a rare nobody cares about. So yeah. he picked it up and some guy, other guy, he bought a uh, 57 Plymouth Fury and all it needed was a front windshield. And he was talking about how uh, the Middle East has a really nasty uh, luxury tax, which basically means we can charge whatever the heck he want, we want. The dude paid $11,000 back in like 2014 for the front windshield for like a 57 or 58 Fury. So they're oh. dedicated to the craft over there too. Yeah. Yeah, well, you know, kind of – because I have friends from Denmark and they've taken a few cars back over there. You know, what cars we view as just sort of like 
regular cars, like let's say 10 grill D100s, uh, pickup trucks, like OBS pick, Chevy pickup trucks, El Caminos, you know, cars that are not really like high-end expensive rare cars or high-performance cars per se, they're a little more coveted over there. I mean, so it's not the same level, but might be just a regular pickup here that all of us have in our fleet, you know, over there, it's like, this is an American pickup truck. So it's more valuable. It's more coveted and it, but, but it's held by people that might have a little more prestige. You know, it's not necessarily your, in the United States, it's your average Joe that is driving that pickup truck. But over there, it's a guy that's got a little more money because not only is he paying full price for that truck at an American price, He's paying the shipping costs to drag it over there. And then a lot of those countries have huge taxes to get those vehicles into their system. Mm -hmm. So what might be, let's just say a $10,000 pickup here, you know, could cost them $18,000 by the time they're done rolling it on the road over there, you know, so they're having to really pony up to, to make it happen. So that's really interesting because I actually had a, uh, I had a little Facebook back and forth with a guy who owns one of the one of four known four door Hemi cars to exist. And it was uh, it was the white. It was one of the white ones. Mm-hmm. And uh, I can't remember if Don Garlitz owned it or it was the FBI car. But I know for a fact he had one of the only four one of the only four four door Hemi cars on the planet. And what's interesting to me is like uh Uncle Tony's Garage did a story about one of the four-door Hemi cars, and it was the FBI special ordered car. And him just going through that car, it was fascinating to me because this is the FBI. You know, they have the money to get any option they want for anything they want, and they got the most bare-bones 66 four-door Coronet they could, but they just ordered the Hemi. Literally nothing else but a Hemi. And I, I look at a car like that and I question, do you really want a tiny, tiny manual brake master cylinder and manual steering, manual brakes, drum brakes, all four corners? It's just like, I, I don't know. It just seems like such a sketchy car to drive, if you ask me. I'd happily Break, drive it. Brakes are for quitters. <laughs> That's why I drive manuals, dude. Look at downshift. Yeah, I mean, it, it, it's hard to know what the circumstances were when they bought the car. It's like they could have bought it just to test it, you know, it could have been just a test mule. Maybe it went into fleet after the fact, but, you know, it, it's hard to say what they were thinking. Now, here, I got, I got a question for you guys um, because I can't remember what they're called. The little cards that they put in, in the little pockets on like the 60s, what are those called? Serta cards, yeah. Yeah. That uh, did you see that that video of mine where I went out uh, to look at that uh, parts car? That uh, did um, I have one? there was a no. There is a '67 uh, Fury out there that was wrecked in the front. The guy has the Serta card for that car. Says something about police on it, and that's mm-hmm. that's a two fender tag car. I want to. I'm, I'm going to be going out there again next weekend. I'm going to try to get good pictures of the fender tags. I want to decode it. I want to see what all. Because yeah, hell, that car might be worth saving. I mean, it was wrecked pretty hard in the front end, but it might be worth saving. Yeah, if it was that I highly think, optioned. 
my my dad we actually had a, it was a 69 plymouth fury 3 with a super commando 440 in it and i don't remember looking at the fender tag that closely but there is codes at least on the 69 that tell you it's got the police package in it mm -hmm. this car was a factory police package car it had a spotlight on the driver's side a pillar and it had motorola radios in it and stuff unfortunately we had a field fire come through the property and it burned a bunch of cars and that was one of the ones that got destroyed but man that would have been a really cool car it was a it was a civil defense car i don't know if you guys remember or know what civil defense is so like Pope, during world war ii they they formed a civil defense it's sort of like a a branch of i guess it's part of the government or military and it's sort of like you know, if there was sabotage going on, these guys were kind of patrolling around, you know, to make sure that everything was cool type of thing. I've heard of it before. Yeah. So they made civil defense cars. Apparently it went all the way up to 69. I'm not sure how much further it went before they dissolved it. Um, but that car was, uh, it was a B, I think it was B3 blue factory car. So it wasn't painted black or white anything or anything, but it was a, it was a police package car. It was it was a bitching car. <laughs> I want to try to get this guy, get this guy to get on camera, or, or maybe even just audio and tell his story, because the property that he's living on supposedly, he went out there with a friend to look for a challenger, because he he heard that this guy had a challenger out there, and he went out there with a friend, and this guy who lived out there just had all kinds of old cars and most of them were Mopars and he had a barn full of stuff and that barn burnt down. Oh, and he's shit. like, he even said, he's like, he's like, I could go walking around where that barn is and kick around and still find like Mopar parts and stuff. Holy shit. <laughs> he, gave, he, he, he gave me a manual, manual steering gearbox. He said, I found that just laying on the ground um, <laughs> and I'm like, still works. Screw it. I'll put it on my car, you know? Yeah. Yeah. I'd get to my knees and cry if that happened. I'm not gonna lie to you. <laughs> but yeah, yeah, he ended up he ended up buying the buying the property out there too. And that, that those those uh three or four cars were on it. Oh cool. And another there's an old needle Ford out there, but I think somebody else is gonna do a YouTube video on that. Cool. Yeah, I need to I was just looking at some of the earning potentials on youtube and i'm like oh, i've been getting ripped off on facebook this is interesting <laughs> i need to start building i got 200 followers or 200 subscribers on youtube i gotta bump that shit up <laughs> yeah well you know who does uh like the the stuff that roadkill used to do is uh vice grip garage like he does mm -hmm. a lot of those uh oddball mopars too he like, just he just did a uh uh, ten uh girl. yeah he just did a 10 girl i watched no it shit today. yeah dude it's, it's pretty right? good like, look, the guy is obviously, I mean, I tried watching him. I, I didn't really, I didn't see the allure and I kind of stopped following him. And then he did a tin grill and I was like, well, it's a Dodge because he does mostly GM stuff, right? Mm -hmm. He did this Dodge truck. So I actually watched him full and most of his videos are an hour long. So you got to be dedicated, you know? Yeah. Yeah. You got to have time. Yeah, he's actually pretty funny. He's he's actually pretty good when he did the Dodge video. I was pretty Well, and the thing is, the thing is he he uh Derek, he kind of plays it off like he's stupid, but you he knows what he's doing. 
Oh yeah, like I know. you oh, can tell God. some of the stuff that he says. He's like, oh, okay, you know what the hell you're talking about, you know? Oh, yeah. <laughs> he definitely knows. I think, I think that's I think that's why he gets such a big following, though. I mean, it's like he actually teaches people stuff, yeah. and he has the comic part of it in there, you know. Yeah. A lot and of people stars, like yeah. cheesy, yeah. Yeah. Well, he had me rolling. I mean, he was. It was <laughs> like he does the. Uh, uh, you think he's going to say one thing and he says another. Like, so with the Dodge truck, he was like, uh, he goes, well, guys, you're not going to believe this. And you expect him to say this thing fired right up and ran. And he goes, it, it's not running. You know, like, like he totally <laughs> took you down another path and you're just like, you're rolling, you know, because the, his delivery is really good. Well, but, yeah, his um, sayings like, you know, we got to put some new sparkulators in it, and yeah, you know, yeah, we got to tinker with the fuel making happener. No, what I love, what I love, and it because it reminds me of myself when he's looking at a car and he's like, he's like, okay, and then he he finds like a big big rustle. He's like, he lifts up the carpet, finds a big rustle, and he's just like. No, we'll just pretend we didn't see that. Just goes, <laughs> keeps going. I, I love that shit because that's like, that's what I used to do. Well, I think yeah, that's that... what Roadkill used to be is like uh, before they got all the big sponsors and stuff, like it's the kind of stuff every single one of us grew up doing and still continue to do, you know, like yeah. that find a project and get it running as cheap as possible and just go have fun. And I think that's, what Vice Grip Garage is is doing now, because as much as I love Roadkill, they've gotten so big. It's it's not something that the the average car guy can necessarily do without all that backing. But Vice Grip Garage, that guy Derek, I think he's taken that uh, that template that was so successful for Roadkill in the early years. And he's running with it because, again, he's doing stuff that all of us could make happen on a budget, and we want that truck running, and we drive it. You know, that's just the kind of shit I love. Yeah. Well, like, I've watched a little bit of Cletus McFarlane, and, uh, I mean, I haven't watched him for a long time, so I can't really speak to his channel per se, but it's like he's got an El Camino that's got twin turbos on it, you know, and he's running like 750 in the quarter mile. I mean, it's like insane fast stuff. And it's just like, so way above my pay scale, you know, ever being able to accomplish. It's like that guy's definitely not on, you know, no grassroots. I mean, I, he probably does do some stuff that are, that's grassroots, but the shit I've saw, it's just like, now that's I'll, I'll never have a twin turbo car running 750s in a quarter mile I'm pretty <laughs> yeah, positive that's never, never gonna happen you know but you so, might have a ratty old 68 charger you traded for a set of cylinder heads and took eight months to get running in your buddy's driveway you know yeah yeah it could happen <laughs> that's why i know johnny knows about this but there's a couple challengers that uh, 70 challengers that i'm looking at locally one is two thousand dollars and the other is fifteen hundred now the fifteen hundred dollar one is a jh car but it was originally a 383 two barrel and um it's stripped it's it's a shell but uh it's pretty solid he wants fifteen hundred bucks the other one is a 70 challenger rt supposedly um, it appears to have the original 383 in it. Uh, it was originally an F8 car, but it is also 
and it needs a floor and a host of other shit. So I'm looking at them both as shells, basically. And the 70 RT is $2,000. Well, <laughs> it was posted for $10,000 for a long time. And when I saw it for 10, I was like, that car ain't, that ain't a $10,000 car. And I'm the most optimistic project car guy I know. And I'm like, that ain't 10 grand. They chopped the price in half recently. And I just called him. I was training a new driver at work. And uh, he was doing all right. So I was looking online and I saw the Challenger again. And the price had been cut in half to five grand. And I was like, okay. And uh, I called him on a whim and I said, hey, man how firm are you on five grand? He goes, not firm at all. And I was like, okay. So if I came over to your house with 3,500 bucks cash, would you sell me the car? And he said, I mean, yeah, I'd probably sell it to you for cheaper than that. And I was like, whoa, 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 whoa. This has never happened to me before. So I was like, well, how cheap would you sell it to me for? And uh, he tells me you probably buy it for two grand. And I was like, holy shit. And it's a real 70 RT. And he says, yes. And so I'm looking at it, it needs floors and shit. And I'm like 70 RT for two grand. Here's the kicker on both cars. Neither of them have titles, and both of them, the dashes are missing, so they don't have VIN numbers mm. on the dash, right? So it raises I've, questions. It raises a ton of questions because both car, well, one car, the $1,500 one, not only is missing the dash, but of course you're going to go, okay, well, there's a Mylar door sticker that has the VIN number on it too. Well, it doesn't have the original door. So I'm Ooh. like, shit. And this is kind of funny because I, I believe, don't quote me on this, but I believe both cars or at least one of them has a plum crazy driver door. And so both cars don't have the original doors. So both Mylar stickers are gone and the VIN numbers are gone. So of course, naturally I want to walk away from both of them, but I did some research and the way it works in Washington anyway, is uh, you get whatever VIN number you can get, which in this case, it's going to be the stampings. And then basically you're going to have to identify anything on the car that says whether it's a JH or a JS car. And then you can pretty much figure out the rest of the VIN um, as long as you have the serial number. And if you have that, you can go to the department of licensing and find out if there's a, a record of the previous owner. Well, in Washington, they only keep records for so long. So if the record doesn't exist, then you go to the state patrol and have it inspected. They give you a state issued VIN, which sucks when you think about like the value of a car, but I'm not really looking at it like that. So I just want the car. So I'm like, okay, I go. And there's a chance that if, if, if by crazy chance, the previous owner comes out of the woodwork and says, Hey, I'm looking for this car. You know, obviously when you go to the department of licensing, they're going to run the number and see if any of the, if, if the car is stolen and if it's not, then you're good to go. So you get a three year temporary registration. And within that three years, if nobody comes forward to claim the car, then you can get a state issued uh, or you can get a title for it. So the other aspect is if it, hold on, Johnny, the other aspect is if, if there is information of the previous registered owner, then you have to send them a letter and they have 15 days to respond um, to take ownership of the car. If they do not respond, then you can go to the uh, Washington State Patrol and have them inspect it and get your three-year temporary registration and then apply for the title in three years if nobody comes forward. But if they decided they saw the letter and even if it was after that 15 days, they have that three-year period. So say on the, on the, the cusp of the third year, they come forward and they, that's my car and they want to claim it. They still have to take you to court to claim the car. So who would take you to court and spend all those court fees to get a shell of a car? 
So yeah. I'm kind of I, I kind of feel like it's a risk I should be willing to take for a couple grand. I'll tell you what, dude. I I see no downside. Let me let me give you a different perspective. Is all okay? So first, first of all, with the VIN, figure out the VIN. You've got you got the serial numbers in the in the um, drip rail or the mm-hmm. channel of the trunk, right? So you got that part of it. Let's say you're able to confirm it is actually a JS car or whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, so you have a full VIN. If you can get um, if you can get hooked up with the cop that will verify that the VIN of the car is that, you can get a new VIN. Like if you can get it titled to yourself first before you get yeah. like a new VIN issued, then just have a new fender tag or not a fender tag, but a new VIN made. Mm-hmm. Like I think you can have them made as long as you have proof of ownership of the car. Yeah. So that that's one thing. But with your following that you have, I mean, assuming you have some place to put the car, I think $1,500, $2,000, you could probably make back through your reels on, you know, you can that's go out thinking, there man. with a cup of coffee, you know, <laughs> and just look at the quarter panel and, and, 30 seconds talk about how screwed up it is and how rusty it is or something and then boom there's another million videos and make a thousand bucks and before you know it you'll make so much money on the car i mean you'll i think you'll get your money back so even if some fool is like i that's my car it's stolen i want it back you're like come and get it it." yeah (laughs) it's already made money in fact I'm going to do a video when you're dragging it out of my yard and that video is going to go viral. <laughs> he fucking came back to get his car. Damn it. Yeah. <laughs> I, well, I just thought, I just saw the thumbnail in my head that said, I bought a fucking $2,000 challenger RT with no VIN numbers on it at all. What the fuck did I do? Right. And I was like, yeah. Oh, that's perfect. Clickbait. Perfect. Well, clickbait. Hell yeah, it is. And then, and then that last video, when it says, Turns out it was stolen, you know. <laughs> Another clickbait video. No downside, dude. No downside. The only thing is you gotta have space to put it. I'll well, I'll make fucking space to put it. <laughs> well, you know, that is uh that is a point to bring up. It's like how many uh you know sub ten thousand dollar challengers are out there nowadays, and I think it's also important to think about well, what do you want to do with the cars? Because if it has, one of them has the numbers matching 383, are you going to feel bad if you say tear into it or, you know, get rid of the engine and put something else in there so it's not numbers matching anymore? Or do you want the gutted one so you don't got to feel bad about whatever you do to it? To be honest, I would spend the 500 bucks just to have the clout of it being a real RT. Um, my My whole thing was I keep saying, and I've said it in videos and shit, where... I've said you can buy an when I was at Mopar's 5150 sale of the sell off in Georgia. I was looking at these cars and a lot of people were talking shit about how overpriced they were or whatever. And I'm looking at some of them and I'm like, a lot of people see an overpriced project car that's going to cost thousands and thousands of dollars to get full. Everybody always leans towards the fully restored thing. So I went with it and I said, well, here's the thing. I could buy this. Say There was a 1970 Plum Crazy Purple RT Charger. And I believe that one was crushed by a tree. And it was like, I want to say it was between seven and 11 grand. I forget how much, but it was, you know, on the surface, you're like, that's crazy for that car. It's been crushed. It's it's dead in the water. But in my head, when I see it, I'm like, dude, that is fucking gold on social media for videos and shit. And mm-hmm. I, I keep saying I could, that car would pay for itself in videos over time. 
So it would just be the initial investment of buying the car. And then if marketed right and click baited enough, uh, <laughs> you can make that, you can make that money back. And I'm trying to, I, I'm thinking that it might be worth, worth it for me to put my money where my mouth is with one of these challengers and say, all right, I got a $2,000 challenger. Let's see if I can make it pay for itself and build itself because the goal with the originally with the $1,500 one, it's a friend of mine who owns it and he swears up and down that the previous owner isn't going to come after it. But that story is crazy because he got it from a guy who got it from a friend and that friend abandoned it with that guy. And that's who my friend bought it from. So I'm like, God, that's kind of a their paper trail. What paper trail? There's no paper trail. Yeah. So I'm like, shit, and that's I, a that's a risky that's one. That's gonna be a good video, though. Yeah, it's gonna it be will. a good video. And if to be honest one, with you, go ahead. I was gonna say, if you do one car and it proves to make you money, then you take that money that the first car made you and you go buy the second car and do it again. <laughs> exactly. I was. Well, here's thinking. what I'm. Here's, here, you just said. You just said that those other videos just made you four grand. Why are you not out there buying both of those cars? I've tried to get a hold of this guy with the RT. He's ghosting me right now. So I'm going to call him tomorrow because I was busy doing podcasts all day today. But uh, I have to go look at the car. And uh, I'm pretty sure it's an RT. Um, There's a couple things I showed Johnny where on the deck lid, he's got the emblems in the wrong place, but he supposedly bought this car like this. And his friend, supposedly, this is the story, they dragged this car out of a trailer park owner according to the guy i talked to he says the owner's probably dead because it's been in his hands for decades now and his friend has a 70 rt and he's just been slowly pillaging this other car for parts and uh now part of me just wants to fucking go buy it you you said it doesn't didn't have a vent or it didn't have a dash in it but that car looked like it had a dash in it it had the dash frame but the pad was gone yeah, I think the VIN is on the pad in those cars, I think. Oh, no, in those cars, well, uh, I know in the, in e-bodies. The, the later E-bodies, like my buddy's got a, uh, a 70, 73 CUDA, and it's on the actual pad. Oh, really? Interesting. Yeah. You know, I thought he, it he bought a new dash pad. Now he's got to buy the little rivets, the correct rivets and everything. Yeah. I know what you're talking about, Johnny. I think that's only for B-bodies, I'm pretty sure. Um, same with well- the... The the trunk the serial number on the trunk as far as I know that doesn't that's only for B bodies on the E body the stamping is on the cal and on the core support so hopefully those the number on the cal matches the one on the core support and then I can check the serial number on the engine and hopefully if it's a numbers I mean numbers car uh, yeah. that it would make it worthwhile for two grand I, th- I and the idea would be okay, I got this car for two grand. I got it for three years and it's still up in the air. But, you know, with the engine in it, that's just another will it run video too. <laughs> I was oh, just like, yeah. mm-hmm. I, I think I think I might be able to make the money back and prove my theory of the power of social media monetization and that you can basically have a project car pay for itself in the long run. Yeah, did you see that um, video that uh, Birdsong did with the super beater? Uh, I saw him doing donuts in it. I was like, oh, yeah, that looks like fun. <laughs> yeah, I get that freaking Challenger running and go do a, a same video, freaking no doors on it, and you're sitting on a milk crate or something, <laughs> just freaking going around corners and stuff. I made the joke in Georgia when I was looking at the Super B. I think this was the joke. I, I was talking about being able to pay for the have the car pay for itself through social media, and I was like, you could call this like Project Freebie <laughs> because eventually <laughs> it'll pay for itself. But um, I really, DD I really Speed Shop did it. DD really? Speed Shop did it. He built he built one of his his first uh, 
I think that that fifty seven or something that he gave away really? on his channel. Well, that thing that thing paid for itself. Yeah. Well, with the with the two challengers, the one that my buddy has, it's pretty solid. It's got some good metal on it, and you know, if AMD's backed up, then it would almost make sense for me to buy the seventy RT. And if I needed metal, go buy the other car too, and just cut that one up. You know, buy both as, cars. As fucked up as that would be, but uh, if I can get them both you know, for thirty five hundred, you yeah. that asshole that people are talking shit on for cutting up a Challenger, cutting up a seventy Challenger, and it'll go viral. <laughs> You yeah, that cut up that you, know make, you know how to make people really mad is that you know what Mike Finnegan did? He put a two JZ in a '68 Charger. So I could never do that. Oh God, <laughs> I still haven't gotten around to watching those videos because it's going to make me cry. I still, uh I should go buy the, uh, the Shelby Charger too and put the 2.2 four cylinder in the fucking Challenger. <laughs> Make your front wheel drive and really fucking blow the doors off. There you go. <laughs> That's almost worse than the 2JZ because it's front oh, wheel. Oh, it is. No. It's absolutely worse. <laughs> well, the thing, there, see, that's another thing too. I mean, even if you couldn't get a title for one, you've got the Mr. Norm truck that's a driver, mm-hmm. you've got the van that's going to be a driver you need race a race car, car. Race car. <laughs> that thought the race my cars mind ain't got to have titles i don't know yeah that if that they have to where you're from mind. but <laughs> they don't unless you want insurance if you want insurance on the race car but race car insurance is too expensive anyway so <laughs> if you got a, if you got a race car it's pretty much a don't crash it <laughs> you well know, what you're thing. gonna do is you got to get rid of that junky old half ton and get a three-quarter ton or a one ton so you can haul it around <laughs> <laughs> that, hey i i have a vehicle that can tow and that's my van <laughs> once the van is on the road the fucker's got a hitch on it could you imagine towing a shitty fucking ratty challenger because the idea people always like i said they always go to the oh you know how much it would take to restore that car do i look like the type of guy that would drive around in a fully restored car i'm a shit i am in love with shit boxes i will drive i just want to get the car on the road i will throw the shittiest fucking challenger seats i can find in that thing i will find the shittiest center console i'll build it off of nothing but used parts and prove that it can be done i would like to get it on the road together for less than 10 grand i think it's possible and i think i could do it all with social media money if i played the my cards right and prove that it can be done um because a lot of people are doubters and they say it can't be done i'm like "Eh, i don't know i'm gonna give it a shot well i don't know man these these cars ain't getting any cheaper they're definitely not getting getting any cheaper I, i think you found two of the cheapest 70 challengers on the planet if you found two of them after being in georgia after being in georgia and seeing some of the prices and i'm not knocking the prices on those cars they're they're realistic prices um you know for the most part i mean some people get lucky johnny mopar uh but that's also a long time ago you get prices like that these days you know i hear about i see it all the time oh i picked up this 69 charger last year for four grand you know, it's like, okay, those deals don't happen that often, and you were very lucky, so you're fortunate to have that deal. But most of the cars are really expensive. So when I saw these cars for, you know, less than five grand, I was like, you know, even with the no title situation, I got scared at first. But the more research I did, the more I was like, okay, I think I feel comfortable buying one of these or both of them. <laughs> yeah. Well, I, I hope my wife doesn't hear this shit because she <laughs> thinks that I'm fucking backing out. I was like, no. Uh, <laughs> well, that's the predicament, you know, of uh, buying Mopars in this day and age. Like uh, with my 66 Coronet, I mean, it's rusty. The floors are pretty much gone. I'm going to need to replace those and the quarters and the trunk are going to need it. But I didn't have to worry about 
any of the stuff you're talking about because the VIN's there, the door tag's there, the certicard card's gone. The fender tag is so rusty you can't read it, but it has a title. Like that title's worth all $2,200 to me because I don't, I'm not like, oh, cool, I have a Mopar. Wait, who owns this thing, you know? <laughs> well, I can tell you that tomorrow morning I'm going to give that guy with the RT a call and go look at the car, hopefully, if he answers his fucking phone. Because I, I called him earlier this week after I had already negotiated the price for two grand, which that seems fair enough to me. Like I said, I'm buying it for the cloud of actually having an RT car. Um, even though I, I don't plan on fully restoring it to the point where I'm going to try to make some money off of the car. I want a Challenger RT that's ratty as fuck built on used parts that I can drive around and have some fun with. Um, oh, got a Mad Max, it, you know, full uh, <laughs> razor, razor cola Caltrop, twin <laughs> no door panels, giant 36-inch boggers out back. See, the thing I don't is, know about though, that. <laughs> the thing is, though, what you do is you get these two cars, you make a plan on them. You do some work on them. You make some videos. And then next year, you fly out to Indy, and you'll be able to buy every single piece that you need in one place. You know, and I'm not joking. Of, uh, I'm not joking. I've been, I've, I've oh, been to Indy. Um, there's a lot of local guys that have some Challenger parts laying around for pennies on the dollar. You know, taillights, grills, shit mm-hmm. like that. I mean, it's not perfect stuff, but I'm not trying to build a perfect car. Yeah, I need, I need yeah. it to be ratty as shit. So just getting it together on used parts... I think it can be done. I think one of those cars can be on the road running because I already have the big block for it, um, for the one that has nothing. Um, the one that has the 383, I guess I'm hoping that it, it runs, but if it doesn't, I have an engine that I can build for it. So that's that's the least of my worries. So um, you still have that 400 you were going to stick in your dark? Yeah, my buddy with the machine shop, he uh, he came down with cancer, so he basically – had to shut his business down and because it was one of those homie hookup things where it's like hey just build it when you got time here's the money i gave him money shit and he never got to assembling it so when he told me that he had cancer and that he was shutting his business down i said all right i'll just take all my stuff and uh, i went over there and he ended up unloading all the spare big block parts that he had that i could assemble the engine so basically what i need now and i do have a set of heads but i'm gonna put aluminum heads on it um but it needs a crank um, yeah. But I have the a pistons, rods. I've got everything to put it together with the exception of the heads that I want to put on it um, and the little accessory stuff. But uh, I need a, I need a stroker crank for it. So I'm probably going to reach out to 440 source or something and get um, that from them. I just have to make sure that because the block I bought was already board 30 over and it was a freshly machined block for 300 bucks. Um, so I got that. And that was going to be the basis of the 451, but it just never panned out. So I have all the parts. So the engine is the least of my worries. And that's that's cool because I also have a fully rebuilt 727. So I have those pieces. Now it's just putting the car together. So, I mean, I can find a cheap set. The most expensive part of the interior that I found so far, as far as used shit goes, is a pair of used bucket seats. Some people want a crazy amount of money for e-body buckets, which is understandable. But yeah. I've seen some decent. I've seen some decent deals. I, I'm probably I'm probably going to be in the seats about five hundred bucks. But I want to get the best ones that I can, within reason for cost. Because, like I said, this car is going to be aside from the metal that absolutely needs to be replaced, like the floor. Um, I'm going to try to build it as cheap as possible if I get the car. I'm hoping I do, but uh, we'll see what happens. I just I just think it's an opportunity to see if. If what I if my theory about monetizing social media and YouTube and shit is it can be can be um, 
put to work. We'll see. A man can dream. Well, and the yeah. thing is, you're not, you're you're not you're not totally useless. You could do a lot of the work yourself. You know. Fuck, I, man, well, I, I will try. I will, it it's out. a two thousand dollar car. If I butcher yeah. it, it, can't be more butchered. <laughs> so we'll give it a shot. I mean, hell, I'm just learning the whole welding thing, and I'm just like, screw it, I'm doing it. You know. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I, you know, with things like YouTube, and I have so many people that I know to talk to about advice and shit like that that yeah, mm-hmm. i'm not scared of it at all nothing nothing um you know unless it was a full-blown restoration and you're talking about you know excellent paint jobs and shit like that like this is the type of car where fuck i'll try to paint it shit, who cares you know or i'll just leave it a ratty shit box it, i just want to prove that it can be done if somebody really wanted an old mopar and you could get one for cheap enough the initial investment to get you in and if you started a youtube channel because i'm really starting my youtube from ground zero and i've proved because i only got 200 subscribers that you know even though i have 40 something thousand on facebook it doesn't transfer over no um, it doesn't it does not if i could get, if i could get my facebook to transfer transfer over i'd be happy because i've got yeah pretty much the same amount on both of them yeah so my strategy at that point is going to be all right only some of the content for this car is going to be on Facebook. The rest is going to be on YouTube and you're going to have to subscribe to it to find it. So we'll, that would we'll probably see. work that, that, that might actually work. Yeah. I I'm just ch- tossing around ideas and shit. And uh, I think uh, it'll be fun. You know, like I said, the clickbait title alone. I, oh, yeah, what dude. the fuck am I doing? I bought a car, with no VIN numbers on it. I'm insane. <laughs> I painted my 70 RT challenger with a paint roller for a hundred bucks. <laughs> <laughs> Do a rustoleum paint job on it. Or, I'll just, you know, the, the, endless, thumbnail will, <laughs> the thumbnail will be rattle cans painted the challenger. <laughs> well, see what you got to do is you got to get a part-time job at a parts store. So you get those sweet, sweet discounts. I've been working now for about three months. I have abused my employee discount. I can tell you that much. <laughs> I mean, $1,500 worth of parts for like 800 bucks. Shit. I'll take it. Yeah. Sure. Yeah, man. Whatever you can do, um, but it'll be fun. We'll see what happens with it. I hope the guy will answer his phone because I I asked him just to get me the serial number because, like I said, with the serial number, there's only you know a couple options that the full VIN number could be. So if I took the variations of it to the DMV or the um, the licensing office, I'm sure I could figure out if there's a record on it because that serial number, there's only one of those serial numbers and it's either got to be a JHS a JH or a JS car um, that uh, I should be able to figure out what the original VIN was. So we'll see. We'll see what happens. Now, but. did they put the, I don't know if they, I know some of the Mopars, they put the full VIN on the blocks. I don't know about 70 though. I think that was pre-69 right johnny i'm not i i think i've seen it on 69s i'm not sure about 70s i'm not sure about 68 because 68 is weird the vin numbers on the back of the block where the bell housing attaches so and then 67 and older depending on who you ask it sounds like they don't have vin numbers on them but i've heard people say they do so i i don't know but um yeah, I'm not sure on the 70. It, and I think it was one of those things. It's just, it depends. The guy that was sitting there on the assembly line camping them, what he put on there, which factory it was going through, you know. I, I believe on 70, it'll be the serial number. And I forget if it's B0 or BO before the serial number. But based on those, 
um, you can figure out what the full VIN was. That's the only way. That's the only reason those cars would be even worth it, unless you were going to build a full blown race car. Uh, the only way they'd be even worth it to even try to get titles for. So that's what I'm kind of counting on. But like I said, there's only so many different with that serial number. It can only be two different cars because it's not a convertible and it's not an R, uh, It's not an SE. So it's got to be a JH or a JS 23 car. Um, so we'll find, we'll figure it out, but, uh, I hope the guy answers because, <laughs> uh, yeah. I'm wondering if he was like, fuck, why did I tell him two grand after he told me 3,500? <laughs> Cause yeah, I, I thought 3,500, if it was a real RT car, even if I had to go get the title and shit after three years, I thought it would still be worth it. But when he told me two grand, I was like, Oh fuck, it's on now. <laughs> Cause I'm just looking at it like, fuck, I just made that money off of an 85 charger video. If I didn't do that stupid reel, I wouldn't have that money anyway. So it's basically, yeah. I mean, I know, I know it's a decent amount of money, but it's like, it's kind of free money in a way. So yeah. I feel like it's worth the gamble. Right. Right. Guys, I got to cut out. Me too. I think we're going to shut this thing down. Um, okay. Thanks for joining us, guys. Oh, yeah. I'm, I, was, I was looking for something to do, and I saw you were on. I wish I had come on earlier. You know, I, I debated whether or not I was going to do it. Like I said earlier, when I first started the live stream, I was going to um, – I've got the intake manifold and the new carb to put on the van, and I was going to do that. And I, I looked at it. I got down in the garage, and I looked at it, and I was like, got to take the alternator out, got to drain the coolant. And I was like, I got to pull all this shit off. I was like – and I know I'm not going to get all that shit installed on it tonight because I'm going to fucking lose steam at about midnight. And I was like, nah, I'd rather just knock it all out in one shot. So I'm going to try getting after it tomorrow or during the week. We'll see what happens. But I think that's it for tonight, guys. Thanks for joining us. Um, cool. We'll have to do it again, as usual. Um, no Mopar left behind. We'll see you guys next time. Thanks for joining us on the Saturday Night Live. Oh, what am I thinking? Johnny, where can people find your stuff? Uh, on YouTube, Johnny Mopar. On Instagram, Johnny Mopar with no space between the Johnny and the Mopar. <laughs> And then Johnny Mopar's Garage on Facebook. <laughs> John Johnny is falling asleep. Thank you for joining us, Johnny. No. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Trevor, do you got any social media you want to promote, or you just you just Trevor? <laughs> you know what? what? Why the hell not? I have a Facebook that is mostly what I use for social media. I got nothing to hide, so just look up Trevor Thomas on Facebook. And I also have an Instagram called Dunebog, D-U-N-E-B-O-G, where if enough people follow me i guess i'll post all the crazy shit i like to do you know and trevor is crazy so definitely go follow him <laughs> uh, hey chris i appreciate you having me on and listening to me ramble you know uh anytime like buddy I said, it's it's hard being a, a mopar guy and to see a shipping ford people it is definitely brian dust devil garage tell us where they can find you Dust Devil Garage on YouTube, uh, Dust Devil Garage on Facebook, and I don't, I never promote my Instagram, but yeah, I've got uh, Dust Devil Garage Instagram too. Awesome, and you guys and know soon me, to I'm come OnlyFans. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> hey, I got an account on OnlyFans, so you know, there's that. <laughs> and I'm obviously Chris Albrecht. This is Talking Mopars. Thanks for joining us, and we'll see you next time. No Mopar left behind.
If you're a car enthusiast like me, then you'd probably enjoy the same books that I do. I love to gain more knowledge about Mopars and cars in general, and that's where my friends at CarTech Books come in. Since 1993, CarTech has become one of the leading publishers of automotive titles for hardcore enthusiasts, with a plethora of titles available in their catalog. They have titles for everyone, whether you're into restorations, high-performance builds, or automotive history. CarTech has it all. They are a company run by enthusiasts for enthusiasts. Some of the titles I have in my own library are... Chrysler's Motown Missile, Mopar's secret engineering program at the dawn of Pro Stock, new Hemi engines 2003 to present, how to rebuild, muscle car special editions, Chrysler Torquefly A904 and A727 transmissions, how to rebuild. And look, folks, they have much more than that, and so do I. In my library, I also have books on how to vinyl wrap, modifying XJ Jeep Cherokees for back when I had one of those, and modifying the new Wranglers and Gladiators, and many more. So whether you're looking to expand your knowledge or just want something cooler to put on your coffee table, CarTech has the books for you. Visit CarTechBooks.com and find some awesome books to add to your collection today. There you have it, my friends. Another episode of Talking Mopars is in the books. For everything you need to know about this show, you know where to go, TalkingMopars.com. And you can reach me by emailing Chris at TalkingMopars.com or by leaving me a voicemail on my voicemail box at 209-28-MOPAR. And you just might get to hear yourself on this show. So keep sharing those Mopar stories with me and anything else that is on your Mopar-addicted mind. Thank you to my friends over at CarTechBooks.com and also... Don't forget how important it is to keep your Mopar protected from the elements. If you do need protection like a car cover, don't wait. Head on over to TalkingMopars.com, click on the Affiliates tab, and go get your Mopar covered today. Before we shut this podcast episode down, if you want some Talking Mopars merchandise like t-shirts, hoodies, stickers, and cool swag like that, check out the merch shop on TalkingMopars.com. And for exclusive bonus episodes and videos only for my supporters, become a Facebook supporter today and get immediate access to those benefits. That's it, my friends. Until we talk again, I am your host, Chris Albrecht, and that was Talking Mopars Live. Thank you for listening to Talking Mopars, your direct connection to all things Mopar. Until next time, remember, no Mopar left behind.